fresh, frickety fresh, fresh. Ooh, the frickety fresh, fresh. Frickety fresh, fresh podcast. That's yeah. This is this kind of how it goes. Sorry, just a bit carried away. Yes, I'll do. Just get a bit carried away with uh, life in general. Anyway, yeah. right. I tell you, we're gonna get like I did with my friend. Space. We talked for about half an hour, absolute complete bullshit before this thing. No worries. Which is, again, it's fine in and of itself, but we haven't even started or like introduced you or anything yet. So I know, man. I know. Okay. Right. So, so I guess you best do that. Then. Yeah, probably. Pretty best. Yeah, it's okay. a good idea. So welcome to Theatre Podcast, Marty Mummery, or otherwise known as Double M Music. Hello. 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 <laughs> um, we're obviously uh, acquainted from being friends for a very, 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 very long time ago. Very, very long time ago. Um, and both of us have been through like, a lot of ups and downs in our lives, which is probably why we connected as, as friends, as kids, uh, coming from sort of similar, I suppose, troubles or dramas that lead you to, I think, for me, like having coming from that kind of lifestyle or upbringing of words leads to a lot of creation. Do you know what I mean? I yeah. think a lot of, and you speak to a lot of other people or listen to a lot of other um, stories, creation comes from pain quite frequently or loneliness. Yeah. Um, and that's possibly very much how, like I so said, we got connected as friends, have a very similar mentality, you know, just uh, being a bit outlandish and a bit dark. Yeah, I mean, it, it was... Um it was strange as well, kind of like, uh, like my mum, like with the moving around schools and stuff like that. And I think being with your second school that I went to, with regards to juniors anyway. Um, and, you know, kind of like, so I kind of like going to a new place with no friends, yeah. going from one school to another, losing friends and then gaining new friends. And I don't, I, I'll, <laughs> It's not good, is it? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. LucasArts, please don't sue us. <laughs> there was one little noise, all right? Last less than 30 seconds. Ah, uh, it was less than 10 seconds. Not probably worth That's That's from yeah, that's from me. There you go, there you go. Okay. Done. It's okay, we've recovered. <laughs> <laughs> We're back in the room. Okay. And chuck. <laughs> right, so, yeah, I mean, kind of like, I, I can't even remember. That was, th- this is the thing, because I, I was thinking about this, I don't think you, how did I even meet Chris? What happens to, to meet Chris? And for the life of me, I can't remember. I remember being invited to one of your birthday parties, and I remember um, going like going around the granddads and like yeah. had that big sleepover for the weekend and stuff like that. And it was actually, it was actually, and this is kind of a thing thinking about it now that seeing how life was with you with regards to like um your mum your dad and your stepmom I guess right. um seeing that was kind of showed me what was what was kind of wrong with my life. Yeah. I mean because I was I was groomed by by my stepdad from a very young age, um from the age of four. And realizing from your dad kind of how dad should be. Yeah. And it was it was strange. So even though I was pulled into a world a world of abuse that went on for a very long time, um, it was seeing that kind of it, it. But it was also very alien to me because 
because I see the way your dad was acting with you, kind of like when we were on the bikes and stuff yeah. like that. I'm like, I don't have that. Yeah. Obviously, my, my, my dad left when I was two, so um, I didn't really have have that connection with a male figure other than this abuser that was in my life. Um, so yeah, it was it was it was a different, different definitely a different outlook. And seeing how zany your stepmom was as well, that was kind of a bit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, that's the odd thing is that I don't really remember. I think a lot of how my stepmom behaves is for other people. Mm. She, I don't know, she was a parent to me, obviously. Yeah. And at the weekend, she was there having fun. And I think half the time, at, possibly at that point, we may or may not. No, if you came with a motorbike, so I didn't live with them. I try to think about did I live with them at the time and were they just being fun because it was the weekends? And even that has been a different. Uh, aspect of parent life yeah. to me to what it, it ended up being. Um, <clears throat> so this before we completely get off on a giant yeah. tangent because this wow. this happens every single time. <laughs> now, obviously, uh, I obviously don't talk about what you're completely comfortable with, but yeah. you you mentioned obviously the the dynamic of my family's relationship yeah. versus yours of what your outlook was uh, and being groomed and. Yeah. Abused? Or are you happy to talk about? I'm. I'm very quiet. I'm open. That yeah. I am. Um, <clears throat> I've had. It's it's that side of things that I've um, because in some respect due to some of the, some of the stuff that was happening at that time, I've I've had some justice and I've also had help from. When it comes to my childhood, it's kind of. Um, when I got to the age of 15, which we can kind of go into a little bit later, um, that's what I'm struggling with right now because it's, it's something that um, no one should have to go through. And also it, it kind of, it, it strikes on the nerve and I'm not an anti-feminist. I'm, you know, I, I support women. I, you know, obviously I love my wife and everything like that. But the whole kind of women can't do no wrong. Something yeah. and men are the one people that cause it. Yeah, I am the striking example of in, all through my life. I am the striking example of that which is not true. Yeah, um, and to kind of get that message out there is is something that's really important um, with regards to that men and women can both be as bad as each other. Yeah, and and it is it is quite an important thing for people to understand. And um, yeah, so talking about this stuff, as I said, I'm I'm, I'm so open about it. But, yeah. um, you know, I it doesn't bother. So, so you see, you know, being being groomed for you, you see mm-hmm. stepdad from four. Yeah. Um. When did you When did you realise that that was something that was occurring? Well, so I didn't know what grooming was at the time. Um, I only found out about that kind of as you get older and. Um, it, it kind of learned stuff and understand what grooming is. What it kind of started off as with my stepdad, I um, and I, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't the only one. Like out of um, he obviously was, uh, how can I put it, a master at his craft of, of uh, drawing in children. Um, I he had like pool tables and stuff like that outside, and it was where I lived before they segregated it into gardens, it used to be like a big open plan field yeah. with like flats on both sides so you could basically walk to anybody's back. Yeah. Um, 
and you used to have like pool tables and toys and like movies going on in the lounge room and and I wanted to see what the other kids were doing. Right. And so I kind of went over there and um, looked about and I'm like, oh, so he introduced himself and um, kind of went on from there. And then he, I ended up in a room with him by myself and he, he touched me inappropriately. And I, I didn't know what to do. And obviously when you're four years old, you don't know what to do. Yeah. Um, and I went back to my mum and he'd already told me, he, he turned around and said that, you know what, um, we'll we keep it a secret, no one will believe you anyway. Yeah. Um, and uh, so that was an automatic scare tactic. So when I went back to my mum, and I think the weirdest thing is, when, when, you know, when you think about when you're four, you don't really take in too much really. I don't think there's a lot of people that can kind of remember such specific from such a young age. Yeah. Um, but with my mum, because um, kind of like the lounge room was on where the back door is, um, I remember walking in, I remember what sofa looked like, I remember what she was wearing, I remember what she, where she was sitting, blah, blah, blah. and I said to her, I said, look, you know, uh, he, he did this to me, he just, you know, he, he touched me, he did this, and he said this, and my mum went, look, I'm going to go speak to him, but if you're lying to me, yeah then you're in trouble. And it was that kind of automatic thing then. She goes, so are you lying? I went, yeah, 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 it's not true. Right. And so that automatic <laughs> thing of not being believed straight away was that kind of, it's, it's like, I was, even at the age of four, I was I was, I was still quite a grown-up child. Um, because of my dad leaving and all that, I was still a very grown-up child. And, you know, it's just like, no one, even even at that age, no one's going to tell you the truth. You're not going to turn around and say, yeah, I sold that cookie. Or, yeah. or yeah, I, I did that. Yeah. It was very unlikely for an adult to go, oh, yeah, yeah, I did that. You know? um, and so after that, um, like the kind of main grooming started because then my mum, my mum actually met him right. properly. Yeah. Um, they started talking. And they become somewhat benighted. And I would, I'd end up like over his house. My old mum would send me over there like every weekend. Right. And every weekend, it was horrible. You know, it was, uh, the abuse was horrible. Um, but also scary because it's this, um, this, uh, I say gentleman, I'll be polite, um, was a foster parent. Right. And he used to get really cross. He like rip doors off the walls, throw them across at the children that were in the house and, and all that. And it, it was scary. So even if I, I couldn't even bring myself to tell anybody what was going on. Um, because I think I was just like, what's gonna happen to me? And then it was all kind of I was constantly bought stuff. Yeah. All the time. Yeah. Um and it was like whatever I was bought, I'd have to pay for in some way. Um which Led to me going, um, it was actually, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to remember which way down things were. When it started, um, it was actually like before I met you, um, and I was going to St. Margaret's School in Rain, and uh, we moved from there and ended up at really Dixie Place at Top of Mason Road, and that's when I went to, ended up going to Demon School. Yeah. Um, and so, kind of having my mum, I mean, my, my mum, bless her, she's 
she's an amazing woman. You know, she brought up three kids on her own. No, my, my dad left when I was two. My, my brother wasn't even born. Yeah. Um, my youngest brother. And so it was kind of, it was tough for her. And I can understand um, now that, you know, companionship and being with someone was something that she wanted. And as unfortunate, she chose the wrong person. But the way I see it as well now is that she, she was pulled in by him as well. Yeah. It was all money. He yeah. had a lot of money, you know. Money, <laughs> money, money buys a lot, and you know it's that kind of thing. Yes, he was buying me stuff to shut me up, and uh, basically allow yeah, allowed him to do what he wanted. Yeah. And um, he knows that I wouldn't say anything, but the threat and the threat was always like, "I got you this, I did this, so I can do this." Yeah. Um, and so when we moved. It was actually a bit of a godsend because I wasn't living directly opposite this person. But my mum, he made me feel guilty if I didn't go there. So every weekend, yeah, I'd have to tell my mum that I'm going to stay with him. Right, okay. So you had, then had to go out of your own way to go and visit. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, yeah. it is. It, Twisted it, mental. It is. Oh man, it is. Um, and. You know, like loads of things, like um, things that even like trigger me sometimes now. Like I'd have to make him a cup of tea in the morning. Yeah. I'd have to take it up to the bedroom at a certain time. I'd have to stay in there so he could do whatever, and then I'd have to make him a cup of tea afterwards. So it's that very. Um, so so you know, so I I had to work my brain really hard. So even like when my wife asked me for a cup of tea, even now I can't go. Yeah. Like, no, it's not that. But also on top of that, um, he he ended up fostering another another uh, another lad um, who became uh, who became he adopted him and he became my stepbrother. But he was my stepdad. Like he was like acted like my stepdad, but tenfold. Yeah. Um, I would he pulled knives to my throat. He locked me in cupboards. Um. He tried, like, tried to make me. Um, have, he he tried to force me to have sexual intercourse with a girl. Yeah. Um, like under, like with a knife held to me. Was, um, yeah. Um, obviously his the abuse come from him too, and I was just, I was so bad. The thing is that you, you get as weird as it sounds. You get you don't know any different as a person. You just don't know any different as a child. You don't know any different. So that's your life every day or every weekend or whatever. You don't know any different. Um, and as I said, come by meeting you and that whole kind of making friends. Because when I was around, when I was actually around my stepdad's hat before, when he became my stepdad, um, sorry, even before he became my stepdad, he, I wasn't allowed to hang around with anybody. I wasn't allowed no male friends, and I especially wasn't allowed any female friends. Um, a bit like controlling relationship. <laughs> it's a bit, a bit fucked up. But, you know, when I met you and kind of seeing that from the perspective of seeing how you guys were as a family, yeah. I wouldn't have thought there were things going on. Yeah. It looked it looked quite normal. But on the other hand, it looked very different. So I'm like, hold on a minute, is is dad's allowing him to have a friend round? Yeah. You know, is dad's allowing them? and and you know, and there was a thought. And you know this is no disrespect to to anybody, 
But the, I even remember like the sleeping arrangement and how we was in the bed. I was up on like the, the uh, like the high sleep where it was and yeah. you were down on the lower I'm not sure if it's a mattress or you were on the floor or, or yeah. something. It depends what it depends what year this was. <laughs> well, I was well, amazing. No, it was, I wasn't born then. I mean, it, was, it, was, uh, it would have been, I mean, I would have been, when I went to Deanwood, I would have been, it would have been between year three and five, and I think we were probably in year four when we probably kicked, kicked it off properly. So, that would so have been, in theory, if we're was nine, probably still didn't even actually live with them yet. No, maybe. So not. you would have you would have got full weekend parents. Yeah. Like, as well, yeah. There's different, different, <laughs> different lifestyle to want to live with them. Yeah, we can parent fun. I'm just trying. Yeah, if we were then, it would have been like guns close direction. Yeah, that sounds just, very. Just familiar. trying to think of how what bed I had. <laughs> but yeah, all I remember was I was a high sleeper. Yeah, and you were kind of. I'm not sure if you were on the floor or on a bed. Probably on the floor. Yeah. Um, but you had like your yeah duvet and that what that whatnot. When I was sleeping. Uh, my stepdad he wasn't my stepdad at the time um, I just called him that because I can't really name him because I can really say my stepdad pissing me off but kind of put it in perspective for who he was um, the situation was I was in a high sleeper yeah my stepbrother was on a low sleeper right and everything that he used to do was kind of like always and always like up on the top sleeper and always doing it. And so when I was in the bedroom with you, yeah, even though I was in a different place, right. I was still quite freaked out. Yeah. I was like, scared. Right? Is this is is is, you know, is this guy my friend? Is, is he going to do the same thing? Am I right. expecting the same thing? Is this the way life is? And because it didn't happen, it freaked me out. I yeah. was just like, whoa, what? How come he does this, but Chris didn't? Yeah, you know. Yeah. And uh, so I said it was, it was a massive eye opener. When we went like around on the bikes and stuff like that, I was just like, "Is this the fun that children should be having? Is, yeah. this, is this, you know?" And even though the abuse after that went on for a long time, it well, it kind of got worse because as I came, as I moved out of Deanwood, I ended up in um, what was Hinfields in Gillingham, and from there I went to the Howard School. But when I went to the Howard School, my mum, we didn't have much money. And my stepdad turned around and said, well, if you let him come and live with me, because he was like two minutes walk from the yeah. thing, um, then you won't have to pay anything yeah. for him um, going to school. And my mum went, yeah, cool. without yeah. a battery, didn't even batter an eyelid. So um, I would spend three three weeks. The plan was originally, my mum agreed that I'd, I'd kind of, it's, it's almost like being in foster care. My mum would agree that I'd, I'd kind of go back every other weekend. So allegedly, or apparently, I could have fun with the boys there one weekend yeah. and then go back to my mum the following weekend. But it became like guilt I would, and I didn't realise obviously back then how close this was to what my relationship ended up with my ex. Which, which is the freakiest thing. I would say, I want to go home and see my mum this evening. Yeah. And he'd stop talking to me. He refused to acknowledge me. Yeah. Um, until I basically turned around and went, all right, I'll stay. 
Right, and yeah. then he started talking more and stuff. Yeah, it was it was horrible. Um, but even when I went back to mum's, it was I couldn't say anything. Yeah. And then the worst thing from that is my eldest brother, not my youngest brother. My eldest brother was so jealous because he turned around and said, "You know, I get absolutely everything." Yeah. And I'm like, "We're talking about you know, you can get absolutely you know, um, Alex buys you everything." And I'm kind of inside my head. I just want to go. Do you know what I have to to to, you know to get going through yeah. for that to happen to, to actually have that stuff? Um, but I couldn't. Yeah. And because again, you have all the stuff going through your head about what he said and um, the threats from Gary, who was um, who was my my stepbrother, um, and everything like that. You just kind of like you just bottle it up. You don't say anything. It's so scary. Did Did you ever manage to, or try to raise it again with your mum? Since um, that is a very very weird situation because what happened um, after I was there from I was living with living with I forget his name Alex. I was living with Alex first. So you already did. Just yeah. <laughs> Might as well. You know. As you know, so people can go. You know, I, I would willingly just to help protect. You know, help protect children and to look out for people. It, it was a massive thing in the newspapers. Yeah. Um, he was, um, you know, he was a foster carer. You know, and this kind of does it doesn't help with my um, my trust with professionals. Yeah. He was a foster carer, borderline social worker. Um, he was jailed for sexually abusing and violently abusing eighteen boys. Right. Um, it was a big thing in the newspapers. So I, if I would have come forward, I would have been in nineteen. Yeah. Um, but uh, so with regards to telling someone, I um, I I was with him for three years, and all of that time I didn't see my mum that much um, because the weekend I was supposed to go back home, I was guilt tripped. When I did go back home, my brother was jealous, and my brother didn't get on. And it was strange. So when I went back there and everything, it got to, I got to the age of 14. And um, I, I was forced to sleep on the sofa um, in a sleeping bag downstairs. So I, was, I started to go upstairs. I don't know what went on with regards to um, maybe, maybe there was an abuser's argument. I, I don't know. Or jealousy or something like that. But Alex wanted me to sleep downstairs yeah. on the sofa. Um, so I, I was forced to sleep in the sofa back on the sofa. And um, I was on the sofa one morning. Um, and even now it's actually very strange because I sleep in the same position. I, I, I used to grab hold of the like um, the sleeping bag and I'd tuck the sleeping bag right underneath me like this. And I'd lay on my hands. Right, okay. And there were times that... Um, you know, he'd come and try to pull the sleeping bag off. But I'd hold the sleeping bag so tight yeah. that he got to the point where he just got fed up and left me alone. Um, and that became, and so even now when I go to sleep, my hands are under my pillow. That's how I sleep. It's very strange how we kind of adopt things like that. But Apparently, yeah. I sleep with my arms holding like this. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I saw a coffin in your bed. <laughs> Where were you around? <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So I got, got that 
myself. I was 14 and I was asleep on the sofa. And all of a sudden I heard this massive thump on the front door. And all the like these all these police officers just come to the front door. Yeah. Um and obviously I'm laying on the sofa, completely freaked out, and what the hell is going on? And the um they said, Oh, it's okay, we're 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 here to talk to talk to the gentleman who lives here, you can go. Yeah. And I got really upset because I didn't know what was going on. Um I said being groomed and when you're around someone for that amount of time, you you get a certain attachment to yeah. these people. Um, even though it's bad stuff happening, you know that something's going to change. Yeah. And it's frightening. Um, so even though, it's, I suppose, in, you know, if you kind of look at, it's like a weird kind of Stockholm Syndrome where you hate the person that you're with, yeah. but there's still an attachment there yeah. because, yeah, it's very strange. So connected. It's yeah. such a relationship. It's such a long period yeah. of time. Um, and so the police came in um, apparently, I, I was told that I was to do something to do with the theft of a car stereo. Yeah. So I ended up, um, they said just go to school. So I got up and got dressed, um, walked towards school, completely went through the school to the bridge out the other side, um, and walked home. And I went into mum, into mum, sort of bawling my eyes out, absolutely bawling my eyes out. Um, I told mum that, you know, that, that I think Alex had been arrested for stealing car stereo. So my mum was, in complete shock because yeah. she thought some China China was us. Um, the detective, one of the detectives, was a lady detective and a um, uh, social worker called Simon. He, um, they both come round and they they grew up in the lounge room. So I was in the lounge room once. Um, we'd actually moved down to we got close in June at that point, um, and they grew up in, in the lounge room, saying that we know the stuff that happened to you. Come forward and all that, and I was like, no, nothing happens. Yeah, don't be talking about. Um, and they said, but give and take, you might come talk to us. Blah blah blah. When you're on, um, my mum would go up to uh, Elmwood Prison to visit him. She used to take us with him, but we'd have to wait in the waiting room and stuff like that. Um, and then, like when he got, um, when he when his conviction date and stuff. He told my mum not to go to court, stay away, they're going to say stuff that she doesn't like, yeah. blah, blah, blah. Um, so my mum didn't go. So she never really found out yeah. what detail. was all details of everything. Um, and then from there, it was, um, you know, I, I, I lived with my mum and it was the best time ever. We went to like monster truck rallies, we went to uh, we went camping, theme parks, and I was, it's probably the only time in my life where I felt free. Yeah. The only time. Um, because during the time when Alex ended up in jail, um, I actually met my ex in the visiting, in the visiting centre. Nice. Um, yeah. Up, 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 yeah. <laughs> Perfect place, right? I know, because her, her other half, her other half at the time, had been put in jail for... Um, it was allegedly raping a 15 year old, but when it came out, it was, um, he'd, uh, something went wrong. It was underage sex, but he, um, it was consensual, but obviously it's still, um, rape, it's underage. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I ended up meeting, me, meeting my ex, and 
all I wanted to do was get out. I was just so wanted to get out of my mind. I so wanted to get out of, even though I was happy with my mum, there was still that connection there where she didn't believe me. I just wanted to get away. I became very rebellious. Um, I didn't want to go to school. Uh, although I did, I liked school. I got went to school, but I just didn't want to be there. It was it was too close to where like he used to live. Yeah. Blah blah. And I got bullied there. It got weird with what got on around there, and I got bullied with that. And some of the things that were said were cruel. Did you managed to get out in school. Sorry. The information managed yeah. to get out in school. Yeah. Um, he managed to keep it quiet. Yeah, yeah. It was weird because it somehow got onto. I mean, I was walking to school, and there was one lad. I can't remember his name. Um, who started saying like really like terrible things, and I'm kind of like, I just kind of put my hood up and get walking. Yeah. But it was how, how do they know? How do they know? So somehow it got out in the school um, because um, maybe it was because as it got into the newspapers, I don't know. Um, his name got more recognised, and um, because. He was a big part of the school. He was like, he, he worked with like all of the council. Because he was a social worker. He yeah. was a, or, or like foster care. He was a big part of the school. They, obviously the school have to be very much in touch with foster carers and stuff like that. So, yeah. So, I, I mean, I ended up school-wise. I think year 10, I ended up going half. And year 11, I was barely in there. Yeah. I, I just walk out. But, and it was kind of like, and I went up, it was that through meeting my ex, and which is which is a whole whole other story. Um, I said, being used to abuse, I was then being the age of 15, she was 21, I was then groomed into a relationship, yeah. Being 15, sexual stuff happened two weeks later yeah. after meeting her, and you know, she was proper. You know, in hindsight, it's so strange. She was properly slamming her, her who I felt who wasn't her ex at the time. He was in jail when they weren't together, but um, they were still married. Um, the whole kind of teasing aspect, like when they were on the phone and saying that I was there and all this type of stuff. So you can imagine how he felt yeah. in jail, being able to fuck all, um, at having this kind of young lads being around. But it wasn't like that. And that's the thing. It was played on. It was like that. Yeah. Um, but as I was groomed and pulled into a sexual relationship at the age of 15, her being 21 with a kid, and um, every day I was slapped, I was bitten, I was pushed around, her daughter started biting and everything. So I was like, didn't know what to do. And, you know, it was, it was so strange because I just wasn't, it was just like, is this what my life is supposed to be? Yeah. Am I supposed to be abused? Yeah. So I just let it carry on. I just let it carry on. I'd go back there every day. Same things would happen. Um, I've got, um, even though it's been denied, um, I've got like scars from from her um, where she'd either bitten onto me and she'd be biting and talking while she was biting. So right. like, I'll let go. Yeah. Like, I'll let go if you tell me you love me. Um, I've got a scar that kind of runs down here. Um, that um, she forced me to get a tattoo with her name on it to cover it up, where she just got angry and she turned around and swiped me with a nails and just busted my busted my bicep open. Um, she said that she'd never done all this stuff, blah blah blah. So we're not going to admit it, are they? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, 
so come up. But all that abuse, it just went on and on and on. And then it would she teased me with I was a fifteen year old kid, so many vulnerabilities, so many um like you know, insecurities. She played that against me and said she you know she was gonna go and snog the scaffold or she was gonna yeah. do this, get through that. So all of it was it was terrible, you know, absolutely terrible. Um, you know, I everything that happened in that relationship should shouldn't ever have happened, you know. I've been um you know, I love my kids. I would never say anything bad against my kids. Um because there was a sign that unfortunate part, but to be bullied into having kids. Yeah. To be bullied and pushed into having kids. Um, and this is why um, this is why the police haven't done anything about current affairs as well, because I end up having children with them. They can't do anything. Right. But I like, don't know. <laughs> I was like, the dog. <laughs> Somebody, yeah, the dog. So um, one of the weird things <laughs> are these, these microphones pick up all these really weird <laughs> like, noises that are nowhere actually in there. The mic's a great dog. Um, but yeah, so uh, all, all, the, all that happened, like I said, being bullied into happening. As I said, I wouldn't, I love my kids to death, I have to pose with them. And, you know, I wouldn't give them back, but, you know, to have the opportunity to have had them with someone else in a relationship, it wasn't like that. Yeah. Um, and kind of going through the years, and it went on and on and on, I ended up becoming a professional wrestler because. <coughs> uh, because. Because. But it was, it was because. Um, my ex knew where I was all time because it was oh. there was a camera running in there all the yeah. time because they used to record the gym. Yeah. Um, if people wanted to kind of look what moves and stuff that they did and stuff like that, it was always recording. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I, I became a professional wrestler and that was a more of an excuse for her to hit me. So you're a wrestler, you can take it. Yeah. Uh, so that was kind of, but I mean, before, I mean, I went down the self-harming road, which is before wrestling, um, and I used to gash myself open with anything. I didn't care. I really didn't care. Glass bottles, anything. I didn't care. Yeah. Um, but it was wrestling that got me out of that because I was going there. I was being hurt. Yeah. You know, I was being hit. I was this and that was happening. I was getting that kind of um, aggression out and also that kind of um, that, that kind of feeling of, I didn't want to hurt people, but I was hurting, and I didn't like hurting innocent people. I didn't, yeah. I, you know, I don't believe in hitting women, even though it's, you know, people have got these discussions about that. I've never, ever, ever believed in hitting a woman. Um, so that kind of aggression that I had, I was able to get that out. Yeah. Which that whole kind of hitting women thing leads me onto a great story when it comes to wrestling. It was the most amazing thing, um, and one. It was just so not me. I had to be the bad guy, so I had to be the heel in this wrestling match. Yeah. And it was the emphasis that her name was Natasha. Um, I can't remember what the wrestling name was, her name was Natasha. And uh, it was set up that I had to be like, you know, showing this kind of like the whole slapping her ass and yeah. taking a piss and, and all this type of stuff. And we were talking about it, but I felt really uncomfortable with it because I don't believe in hitting women. I, yeah. don't, I don't believe that a man should hit a woman. And, she was like, look, if, if you don't hit me, I'm going to deck you like this. And I was like, all right, like this. <laughs> okay. Um, but um, the finish of the match was set up that I, I had to hit them with kind of like a clothesline from hell, proper Bradshaw yeah. or something. 
And I went, you sure? And she's like, yeah, 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 cool. But she was a stick thin. She should have been a model. She was yeah. stick thin. And um, the match went on and I was really taking the piss out of her. And was, you know, doing something. And got to the end of the match. She ran off the rope and I just went, oh, boom. She turned three times in the air. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't know how she did a break fall from that. Yeah. And she kind of laid there and I pinned her and I got up and the crowd were booing me and I was just like, ah. I went out to the back and I'm looking through the crowd and I'm like, she got up. She, she, um, she got up, she come out back and she was like, yes, yes, that was awesome. Like, I thought I killed you. And then I hugged her and said, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And she's like, don't be stupid. And it was that, it was, it was all that stuff, you know, all of that stuff that I just kind of, it, it slowly started unpicking my mind. Yeah. Um, um, because the reason, again, for becoming a wrestler was, didn't have to be me. I'll yeah. Another character. Um, Which yeah. again, it leads to that whole creativity thing. Yeah. Why like broken people become comedians or actors because they get to be something that they're not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was, a, and I, I, I was so many characters as well, because I couldn't decide on what I wanted to be. How I wanted to do it. Um, I ended up becoming the Iceman, the Viper. Um, see, I was the Viper before, you know, Randy Orton, his Viper thing. I was the Viper first. <laughs> the original Viper. I was the original Viper. With the, I had the face paint and everything. Um, you know, I was, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, Death Wish Marty Denver came out of a really weird place. I've actually got, I found an old newspaper clipping at home yeah. uh, yesterday that was like, uh, I, I put in a music book. And um, ironically, um, and uh, it's like got the name of uh, we did a show over in um, on Grange Road in in Gillingham. Uh, uh, I think it was like Grange Road Community Centre or something like that. And um, for Demel the house, we raised like two three grand. Yeah, um, it, it was called like take it was like, taking bumps for money or something. Like that. Yeah, it was it was such a great laugh. Um, and uh, the only unfortunate thing is I wasn't in the picture that was on that was in the newspaper, but my name is mentioned, so I was quite happy. But yeah, as I said, it was, um, I, I think I went from there and I started to gain a little bit of confidence. Um, I don't know how, but I, I ended up playing ice hockey. Um, I'd always love ice hockey, but I ended up playing hockey, but it was because I wanted to start to move away because I didn't feel like I was getting the accolades. I thought, my character is, yeah. um, it's not me. Um, you know, if I was, uh, I joined a company called RAW, um, and if it wasn't for my injuries and some things that happened and actually being stopped from wrestling, my stopping the show. Um, because it was that opportunity as well. Just before that, I actually got a chance. I got asked, I got an email asking me to go to America and do some training in America. Yeah. She said, I couldn't do it. She said, no. And I was kind of like, well, I don't know how much money I'd be over. Fine, I'd be over there, you'd be over here. But if I got to the point where I wanted to get yeah. set for life, um, but no, I couldn't go. Um, so yeah, it would have been kicking the butt. But they say obviously things happen for a reason. So I ended up kind of going there and um, yeah, joined hockey because I, I wanted my name to come up in life if I scored goals. So I ended up kind of playing hockey for a few years on and off. And um, but I scored a few goals and it was great fun. Got a few punch ups, you know, a few scuffles on the ice. And, yeah. You know, it was it was it was a good laugh. Um, but again. It was something that was kind of kind of happened that opened my eyes because I ended up joining a recreational team yeah. called the Medway Madness. Yeah. I mean, they were a great team. I absolutely loved playing for them. Um, I still got the jerseys, I think. Um, 
but there was this uh, young young lady um, uh, called Faith that used to used to play for us, and we kind of like you know we we'd all be in the locker room together. She would creep like one of the guys. We'd all get changed. We'd yeah. all kind of be undressed, but naked, doing stupid things in the locker room, and it was treated as the norm. Yeah. And I was told by my ex, you know, you know, women don't do stuff like this, and men don't do stuff. You know, if you if you you shouldn't, you know, this is what doesn't happen and all this stuff. But when I saw that and how open she was, you know, kind of standing there talking to each other, quite naked, and yeah. so it didn't make a difference. And I'm just like, no one back to none. And again, more questions, more questions. And then um, it just kind of went on from there. Then started taking up playing the guitar, and um, my, my, like, my guitar was fucking amazing. Yeah. And like, you know, and like, before my ex realised what was kind of going on, I was invited around to his house a few times and saw what he was like and then kind of going out and me having talked to him, it opened my eyes up even more. Yeah. And it's like these these people are in these relationships where they don't get hit, they don't get bullied, they don't get anything. Yeah. Why is this in mind? What's going on? Um, and it got to the point where I just looked at it, no. Yeah, and I said, enough's enough, I'm leaving. And, uh, but I left for my kids, you know, that I was like, my, my kids can't be seen, I'll go through this and do no. this. Where are the voices? So, <laughs> is, that, is that the voices in my head? <laughs> they're talking, they're talking to me again. But yeah, I mean, kind of like, I, I ended up like leaving her, and, you know, I gained confidence. It took a long time because see, you can't get groomed by someone who you kind of know how they're going to react. And like every other time I've had conversations about these uh, these popular old tears, yeah. you know, make me feel guilty to end up staying, oh what about the kids and all this stuff, and yeah, you know, I stayed there for the last four years was definitely staying there for my kids. Yeah. You know, and I I was so hell bent on not be doing what my dad did. You know, my dad left me when I was two. I was so hell bent on not helping that. Yeah. And that was a thing. Um it was a big thing for me, you know, it was like, it didn't matter what was done to me in that relationship, being there for my kids was the most important yeah. thing. And um, if I was taking the blows, it means that they weren't. Yes. Um, so it got to the point where I just, just had enough. And there's there's always, there's always, it, it was weird because I always found when it comes to something happening, there's always a kind of couple of breaking points before that kind of initial um, big thing. I went and helped um, help my mate out with gigging Wimbledon. It went great. I'd accidentally went up. I drove over to his house. We both went up to Wimbledon together. When I got back, I realised I left my car lights on. Yeah. And um, back to it, I I phoned up the ex and I was like, "Look, I need to. Um, I'm I'm going to stay here, um, because um, that car has been a dick and left the car lights on." Um, it was all kind of, oh, you did that with her, it's just, you want to stay there, and blah, 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 And then she expected um, my mate to, uh, you know, uh, it was like, we we got back like four or five o'clock in the morning. He hadn't slept, he'd driven the whole thing. He'd gigged as well. He'd loved everything around. Um, it was like, you know, getting to tow you back, and I was like, it's just gigged. You can't, yeah. it's not fair, it's not happening. You know, and it all kind of went like this. And, you know, Kudos to him, he like, it was like 8 o'clock in the morning, he said, look, you know what, you shouldn't have to that, I'll give you 
try to act and I hope it will get sorted out. Yeah. I didn't, we didn't speak to each other for about 18 months. Right. And it was, I, I, felt, I, I felt really sorry for him because, you know, we were close. We were very close and very, I mean, now we're closer and closer. So, yeah. Like, that's made in the world. But it's that kind of thing that he helped me out, but, you know, it must have made him feel like shit. Yeah. You know, and it's like, she, you've got to make him bring you back like, oh, you know, that's, so it kind of went on. So that was the first thing. And then a few weeks, um, probably a few, a couple of months after that, some things happened that just should never have happened. It was just like, it, obviously the, the, the relationship was breaking down, but when you're being stopped from going out, my, my next door neighbour used to go out, my next door neighbour used to go out and play snooker in Riley, Riley was open. Yeah. He used to call me Mr. Seven Minute Man. <laughs> because um, she'd phone me every seven minutes. I, think I wouldn't. I wouldn't even get a shotgun. I'd be like, but this ring. Yes, or a text message. Um, you know, so I was probably like the fastest snooker player in the in the south east. This is all the shot. Have, 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 have you got a plan? Yes. Yeah, no. Um, but it was. It, it was kind of like it was all this stuff that slowly opened my eyes and the things that these like narcissistic abusers try and do is try and cover up your eyes to not seeing. The outside world. Yeah. Because as soon as you start seeing it, you start going, What's that? What, why? Why did they do that? You, and they're like, Don't compare us to other relationships. I'm like, But it, this isn't comparing us to other relationships. This is comparing us to every other relationship. Yeah. <laughs> yes, there are relationships that are not good and very similar or could be worse. Um, but this isn't normal. Yeah. And, you know, it got to the point I went to work one morning. After all the abuse, after all the years, I just had enough. Yeah. Just had enough. Went to work one morning on Saturday. Come back, I actually told work at eight o'clock in the morning. I've been there at six. I was on, like, I was driving for Keith's uh, Ferry at the time, driving for a coach company. And I was on the bus crying my eyes out. I didn't even know why. I yeah. was just crying my eyes out. And they were like, you're right. So I can't take it. I've got to go home. I've got to go home. And I went home. And I said to her, I went, look, She's like, what are you doing back? And I'm like, we need to sort this out. I can't say, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm done. Yeah. We ended up going to dinner and um, sorting it out. Obviously, Karen's got to pick this bit up. <laughs> <laughs> can't hear this through the mic, but the fingers are going. Giant air quotes. Giant air quotes. And sorting it out. And I said to her, I said, well, you know what, you've got what, a few weeks too. Two at the most to sort yourself out. Yeah. I can't take this anymore. Um, which is obviously a huge step forward to me because me kind of even confronting her about that stuff, it was, I knew what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, and then going from that, it got to Monday and I was looking at getting a new job. I was looking at working in school and I had to do like three months voluntary first. Um, I come back halfway through the day, so I drove up to London, done a huge run up to London in the morning come back to come and do this area and I had to drop my DBS and stuff off at the um, at school. Um, then she started having a go at me saying she didn't want me to go back to work. She was frightened that there were female coach drivers that were going to take me away and I was like, have you seen half of them? <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, and, you know, even, even the ones that um, were all right, so a lot of them were a bit cuckoo. Like, it's kind of like, yeah. just, no, just no, just no. Never get with the coach drivers. But it's that, you know, and because it was that kind of thing, my dad was a coach driver. 
Yeah. And it was all that stuff that was kind of a bit, you know, he would run off with women and stuff like that when he was a coach driver and yeah. like, you know, upset my mum. So that was a no-go for me. Um, I would never ever, one of the big things I never ever want is probably his mistake. Yeah. And um, so going from that, I was just you know what, this is stupid. It got to the point where I said, right, I've got to go back to work, I've got to go back up to London. They're not going to get another driver. I've got to go do this. And um, I did. I, the whole thing was like, she just refused to get out of the car. Refused to get out of the car. It got to the point where I was like, you know, you know, out my car, this is stupid. Yeah, how am I going to afford a mortgage if you want me to get out of the car? Yeah, um, she ended up getting upset and getting out of the car. But by the time I'd kind of run up to um, like Woodlands Road, turn around and come back down again, she'd run out in front of me at the green light, and I probably missed her by about a foot. It's a shame, but you know, it, it's that kind of thing where I was just like. What were we going to do to try and stop this from happening? What, what did she think was going to happen? Yeah. She obviously knew that she'd done something. Um, I, I absolutely belted it to work. Come skid into a hole in the car park, yeah. raced in, picked up my keys from my coach, got in my coach, and obviously when with, with coach doors, you've got to make sure they're closed before you can drive off. Yeah. And it's so slow, like, yeah, and I'm like, come on! <laughs> this is not the elevator, this is the film. And, uh, um, and so the doors closed and I come out the gate, I drove the coach out the gate, I came round and she was sitting outside the field and she had a phone in her hand. Obviously her phone started to ring. I pulled over in the, like, the bus stop that was by the strand and I said, yeah, I'll talk to her and get to London. But for her, it was probably, for me it was the best thing that could have happened for her. It would have been the worst thing that could have happened because I had that time to drive from London to, I can't remember, sorry, drive from Medway up to London to the point obviously where I was going to wait to pick up my first passenger. And it was that point I just decided that I can't get through this. Yeah. She obviously didn't listen during the conversation we had at the weekend. She can't change. I can't keep going through the abuse. Maybe she'll be a better mum if I wasn't there. Yeah. Um, so I phoned her up and I said, look, I've got off with the same friends. I'm done. I'm leaving. And I got text messages asking me to go back or text messages saying if I wanted to be one of the friends and I'll you know kind of like friends with benefits and all that and I'm just like no not going back there again um all this kind of bribery to, to go back you know what about the kids and all la 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 but I love my kids but I'm leaving you because kids can't keep seeing this it's not fair and so I ended up staying with the friends and then it was not long after that that I kind of got painted to a corner. Yeah. Force allegations coming out. Um, and, you know, even to this day, um, realise that there's actually like 30, 38 calls to the police. Right. That, you know, me, me and my wife have had these force allegations put against us. And it is kind of, you know, the abuse is still continuing. Yeah. But, so what I'm going to do now is I'm going to go completely opposite side of positive stuff. We just spoke ages about all this negative stuff. Yeah. Kind of how how we so the whole point of your your podcast is uh, so is how we get to the positive points. It is, yeah. But the, the negative points are the story, like you know, of what creates who we are. Yeah. You know, and how we're molded into the, the adults that we are now. You know, and they're extremely important things to talk about and for people to hear and to understand. Like the, 
a lot of time, and a lot, obviously with a lot of social media, it is everything is that men are the abusers to, to women, you know, and not the other way around. So if people are aware that it happens, but it's a negative to speak about, or been, you know, yeah. you bring it up with it. Yeah. It was a negative to speak about as a kid and as a young boy, it's certainly not going to happen for like a, an adult abusing another young boy. It's always an adult with a girl or yeah. whatever, you know. So the, the, it is important things to highlight to talk about. But yeah, you know, you get into all the, all the good bits and yeah. all the fun and, and how, how you manage your mind now, like the best. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Manage? What? What'd you say? Yeah. <laughs> the way you're supposed to, how we now manage our minds to the best of our ability, yeah. the things we do for fun, the things we do to help maintain or to avoid to maintain mm. our mental state. Like for me, yeah, I, I grew up doing martial arts and me not having done it for the last year is now getting a bit much. Like, yeah. I need that again. I've done nothing at that level for a year. So it's, yeah, it's, it was always my away from home thing. Yeah. When I when I was younger, when martial arts started, um, I started it when I still lived with my mum. Mm. So I still had that mix of like a mum and stepdad bad relationship. Mm. I'm now free for a couple of hours. I'm going to kick some ass. Yeah, I'm going to kick some ass. With a, yeah, it was still sexual. <laughs> look apart. But that, but you know, that was my freedom then, and that that's possibly still why it means so much to me. But yeah. my wife will never understand the violence of martial arts, like boxing, no. kickboxing, or MMA. Things like I that. had that conversation with my wife. Was you know, why, why do you, you know, why two guys you know ripping each other's heads off? Yeah. What's the point? <laughs> yeah. Why do you want to hurt other people? I don't watch the film Bloodsport. I don't understand. Well, some of the, some of the, some of the quotes in that, someone said it's not for him, you know, yeah. it's, it's kind of a, it's the honour of doing yeah. it. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, for, for me, the way I is like, it, yeah, it's a, mental, it's a mental release and aggression release. It's, it's calming, but also, it sounds dark, but it's calming and getting the fist pumping. <laughs> Come on, I'm calm. I'm calm. <laughs> I am calm. But it, it's, it's you trying not to be beat. It's yeah. not about you beating the person. Mm -hmm. It's about your improvement, not about you overpowering the other person. And try and get that into a perspective. It's like, yeah, I've still got to hurt this person yeah. potentially in order for me to not get hurt. But it's not about them. It's about my progression. It's, it's but that's what we were talking about, kind of like being like uh, before we start the podcast up, um, talking about the whole like the wrestling thing and what goes on behind the scenes and what people don't see. Um, we used to have. Like shoot fighting and, and and so for those of you who don't know it, it's it's like MMA without the punches and the kicks, it's all the holds and all the kind of everything else. Um I ended up doing myself damage. Yeah. Because I refused to quit. Right. That kind of everything else in my life I had no control. Yeah. I had control of that. I had control if I wanted to tap out or not. Yeah. And um that was when I actually got my first injury, which actually messed up my singing voice. Um, we had a good one beforehand. Yeah, yeah right. I had a very, very good one. Just because you didn't hear it, <laughs> I, I had a very good one beforehand. I actually got pulled out of a, an assembly by my, by my teacher to sing on stage because she, weirdest story, and we go off on these tangents, sitting in the hall, so I'm going to do this really quick, sitting in the hall, everybody's singing, teacher playing the piano, 
everyone seeming to go, stop! Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's how we play the piano nowadays. Um, or maybe back then. Um, stop! I can hear a voice. And I'm sitting there and I'm kind of like this. Was there also a big light shining on you? Oh, well, I'm like, oh, like it. Oh, I was sitting there like this. <laughs> and uh, sort of probably make it worse for myself. In fact, I was sitting there like it. Yeah. Um, and then, then she goes, I oh, don't know, maybe I was hearing things start playing again. Stop! I can hear a voice, I can hear a voice. Right, okay. This half of the room don't sing. That half of the room sing. Sing in the way. No, I can't hear it now. I can't hear it now. Are you this half of the scene she goes right I can hear it and she ended up zoning yeah. in on me me not even thinking even though I was just like no no pick me I just used to love singing yeah. and I ended up she zoned in on me like to the point where the blue light was probably there she was the blue light yeah. and um, she pulled me up on stage and said you know you know the worst well I can sing a rainbow like, yes 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 <laughs> you're on your own kind of thing <laughs> she played and I sang it. I sang it to the whole school and I ended up um, doing loads of stuff. Like, um, I would never go front and centre on stage. I would do like when they've done like J- Joseph's Technicolor Dreamcoat and all that type of stuff. They pick characters that were confident but they yeah, couldn't yeah. sing. Yeah. So I'd be the singer in the background oh, behind right. the curtains. <laughs> <laughs> you behind the curtains. <laughs> and, but it was, it was that. So they'd kind of lip sync the words and I'd be yeah. singing in the background. Um, and that's what kind of got. Um, my mum, again, wasn't her fault. So it wasn't her fault, you know. It, there is still a thing that, um, you know, I wish she would have picked up on a lot more. Yeah. Um, with regards to the abuse. Um, but there is forgiveness there, but I'll not talk about that a bit later. There is the reason why. Um, but yeah, the secret kind of went to my mum. It's like, um, it is a sin if you do not get him an instrument and you don't get him. Yeah. If you don't get them in, you're basically a bad parent yeah. if you don't get them to keep singing and blah blah blah. And my mum was in shock. She was like, never heard him sing, don't have a clue. Yeah. Um and uh I it never followed through after that. And the only thing that happened, my mum bought me a guitar when I was 13. Yeah. Um, because of all the shit that uh, my my stepdad would put everyone through, his house got robbed and that year my guitar went with it. Right. Um so I never actually started playing guitar properly until I was kind of like mid twenties. Yeah. Um and I just worked hard at it to the point I'm at today. But yeah, it was that kind of, it was that shining light moment that there was music in, I don't know where I got it from, I don't know what it was, but there was music and, and a performer, the whole performer thing from that as well, the wrestling I think as well. But it was that kind of thing as we were talking about, like the kind of never give up thing, it was about not giving up on myself. Yeah. Um, so the whole singing thing was I, um, they, they had me in a grovet, which is a guillotine show, right in the MMA world. Jiu-Jitsu world, or what you call it, um, and he had it on so tight, but I'd managed to turn my head ever so slightly to still have breathing space. Breathing space, and I was also taught to kind of how to control a situation and not panic. You, you panic, obviously, everything yeah. swells up, blah blah blah. But what I did is, as I went to get out of it, I kind of pushed my hand, kind of almost between his where his elbows or his forearm was sitting, yeah. my jaw. And I pulled and turned and I split my larynx. Right. So um, that kind of, so with scar tissue and stuff like that on there, which because I didn't work through it, yeah. Excuse me, I, um, I ended up with a problem. And then about a year or so after that, I cracked my sternum rupture my diaphragm, all because of someone 
that are told not to do something, done something they shouldn't have done. Huh. Um, yeah, so it's like, you know what a back body drop is? Yeah. Yeah, so back body drop. The ring wasn't a huge ring, it was quite a small one. So if we wanted to do anything like that, we kind of had to step forward and almost right. go corner to corner yeah. rather than go rope to rope. Um, said to this dude, was like, part of the thing was like, you're going to back body drop, you need to do that. When you back body drop, me step that way, don't step that way because otherwise you're going to paralyze me, you're going to put me on the, put me on the corner post. Um, during the match, you did complete opposite. You step backwards. So we didn't yeah. even step forward, you step backwards, went like that. So it was almost like slow motion for me. Yeah. I was doing this. And I was almost like, I'm going to be paralyzed. And then I went like that. Yeah. And just threw my arms out and I landed on the turnbuckle post from six feet in the air, stirring first. And uh, yeah, I cracked my stirring much in my diaphragm. But the, uh, the best part about that, the best part about that was the physio. Yeah. Not because it was very painful, because of the fact that the physio was an Australian lady who was as fit as anything, <laughs> and the fact that she was draping her arms over the top of me and pulling my ribcage out, yeah. that was amazing. That was a nice treat. That was, it was yeah. a nice treat. If my ex would have found that out, she was something from physio. Well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put that in there now. But it is, you know, it, it was that kind of thing. Again, it's, it's all this, all these little bits that, even though I was in that shitty relationship, there was all these little bits that yeah. kind of mapped out that point to what I became, even from childhood, to what I've become, what I am now. And what I want to do, I've become a very, um, I've learned to build a huge master in 13 years of yeah. The master's very to the point when I talk to people and I have been told this through in counselling, seeing psychologists, that I present myself as such a confident person. Um and but when they actually start breaking that out of the shell, which is really annoying with these these professionals, they start cracking through and you go, damn it, you can't see that. Um they start to understand. But you know, I, I've built an out of the shell on wanting to help other people yeah. and music. And everything else is what kind of kept me and brought me into um, the world of helping people with mental health and obviously my own mental health. And um, I have a big project for the future that I want to work on, uh, helping especially musicians with mental health problems. Yeah. So having a studio that kind of adds another entity to helping people as well with mental health, musicians with mental health issues, as well as other people with mental health issues, but also being able to record, master and mix their tracks and kind of have, have a bit of everything going yeah. on. So, um, but it, it's everything that I've been through. If I look at, like, as my wife always says, I've got to try and find a silver line. Yeah. Otherwise, I'd, I'd be in a hole. 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 I've got to find that silver line. The silver line is that I, I use what I've been through to teach others yeah. and to help people look out for um, signs, signs yeah. and, you know, stuff like And also parents. Um, you know, parents looking out for signs because signs are just not there. They are not obvious. Yeah. If you, if if you, if if there is someone that is kind of, you think that they're getting too close to them or too close too quick. There's some, you know, there's that either you've known them for a little while or 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 there's something that doesn't sit quite right. Talk to the kid about it. Don't yeah. don't you know? Don't. Don't kind of put the fear of God up and you kind of like, well, if you're lying, then you're in trouble. Yeah. You can't, 
you, you can't do that. You've got to be so open with them and act and, and talk to them. Um, and that was the big downfall of my mum. My so, yeah, the, the bizarre thing of that is that uh, as a four-year-old, mm. you wouldn't know to make that lie, you know? I understand, I understand like the, the pain or confusion that must have gone on in your mum's mind to hear yeah. that. But there also yeah, should have been a, there's no way my four-year-old could make this up. Well, no, because also the kind of thing as well, like, we were a very, even without my dad about, we were such a tight-knit family. Yeah. Um, my, um, my my family, they, they used to run the like the, um, the social club that was in Brompton. Um, my granddad, I was up there with my granddad all the time, he used to be around my granddad and my nan all the time. Um, uh, I'm going to say something, if anybody repeats this, that I'm going to be, they're not going to be happy. <laughs> um, my, my nan, and the only person calling this, my nan used to call me Puddy. I never knew why. Puddy? Puddy. Never knew why. Yeah. And, but if anyone else called me that, I'd be like, no, that's what nan calls me. That's my nan. That's what my nan's word, you can't call me that. But my, my nan was much older like, my nan was like, if, if I had a second mum, she was, she yeah. was like, um, she, <laughs> she, she didn't hate my, those grandparents don't hate their grandchildren unless they're kind of, um, unless there's obviously a big mishap going on. But my, my, my nan, she was really frustrated with my other brother because she just whining, just weak, using the, yeah. but she said that I was just so quiet, we used to sit there, we used to get on, we used to talk, um, you know, and me and my nan, you know, she taught me how to cook. You know, it was, it was, I had, I had such a great, great relationship, I mean, she, she passed away, I think I was seven or eight, but it was, it was you know, it was like, Unfortunate, you know, back in them times, you run the social club, you know, you, you, she, it's that kind of thing. They weren't alcoholics, but their kind of social thing was just drinking. Yeah. You know? And I think, you know, back home, you know, they were born during, like, you know, my, my granddad was in the war, um, you know, was like, in the army, and my nan was kind of dealing with all that, used to help make stuff for soldiers and stuff. Yeah. Smoking and drinking was what they did, you know, and um, so, you know, they, they, that she could have like a, I mean, I, I, I ended up with her personal glass that she used to use, but she'd have this glass just sitting on the table and it would be there probably for a few hours while she's just taking a sip of it. So yeah. it wasn't even kind of like, yeah. such a lovely, lovely woman. And, um, you know, it was, it's for her and everything else. She had so much faith in me, so much faith in me, um, that I, you know, every time I've been down the road of, doing something silly. Um, no, I'll say it's silly. It's not silly. It's kind of, you know, everyone has their reasons for, for having the thought processes. Yeah. But, you know, every time I have thoughts about that, it was, I mean, it, it was my nan's voice that actually pulled me out. So it was like the first time. Yeah. Um, I, I was, um, I'd had enough. I was 14. Stepdad just got into jail. It was that kind of release of being free. He's not there. Yeah. But then, that was the realization of what he'd done. Yeah. Um, and I, I took myself to the top of you know, that tower block in Chatham, the big tower block flats. Um, if you go through Brompton, sorry, so you go down through Brompton. Yeah. Yeah. You've got that um, big tower block of flats. You kind of draw the dual carriageway. Right. Okay. If you go down to the left, yeah. The path, you know, as if you're going towards what was the Pentagon. I actually took myself to the top of that. Is it not a Pentagon? Sorry? Is it not the Pentagon anymore? Well, the, the, the block of flats not the Pentagon. Well, no. <laughs> yeah, I was at the top. Is it going towards what was yeah. the Pentagon? Well, it, it, I say what was the Pentagon because
do the stuff. They took all the buses and everything else. So I, I just, I, I think it's something. It doesn't. It's not the same. It's, yeah. It's, anyway, if, anyway. <laughs> edit cut with this. Right. Um, so I took myself to the top of that, and I was going to throw myself off it. I just, yeah. at the age, you know, age of fourteen, it's not, it's not an age. It's, it's mm-hmm. really not an age. Um, and there was something that just spoke to me and said, "Look, you've got more to come. There's yeah. something more for you. Yeah, you can't do it." I think that that's and it was weird. It was it, but actually hearing, yeah, physically hearing that voice, it was the strangest thing in the world. I didn't know where it came from. Yeah. I didn't. I couldn't even explain it. It just sounded like my name. Yeah, and that's all I could say. I just... Right. So I said the same thing with me with my granddad, mm. and I don't even. I don't know if he's like I looked up to my granddad because he was like good with tinkering my motorbikes and providing me the land to ride my motorbike or well I don't really remember the specifics of it um, but yeah a lot of it was me thinking about my granddad at the time when I was uh, laying a knife to me throat. Yeah. yay <laughs> but yeah the whole the whole there's so much more to come like 14 years is, is really like a short period it's a long time to be suffering when you were suffering like no, that must again felt like forever. But how long has it been since? You no, know, that, the, all the yeah. things you've done no, since. No, that's the thing. So I, was like, I kind of, you know, that whole kind of got more to come. And then like the thing, all the stuff that happened with my ex. And then I kind of thought to myself, there must be something. Yeah. There must be something. And, you know, the changes, the changes that I've gone through are quite unreal. Especially on the surface, and especially no, some like in my, in my head, definitely. No, I, I, you know, being abused for the best part of thirty years is. Well, I mean, meeting my who became my new wife, um, my wife, and she's she's amazing. She's pulled me up so much. Um, she when she first met me, I wouldn't even get out there. I was just just had enough. Just, yeah. You know, when someone tells you you're never going to see kids again. Um, and starts using your kids against you, which is obviously a huge story. I think maybe we'll have to do a second <laughs> a follow up, a follow up, yeah. part two. Um, you know, it completely destroys you. You yeah. can't, you know, it doesn't matter how the children came into the world, it doesn't matter what circumstances those children are your children, yeah. and you know, you've already poured your life into them. Um, so I, I mean, my daughter was. Seven, seven, or nine, I can't remember, seven or nine when I left, and my son was three. And, you know, after being in their lives that long, and then being told that, oh, you never did anything, I did everything for those kids. Yeah. Everything, you know, I was the first one to hold them when they were born, um, I did bottles, I did everything, you know. I was even praised up for, for you know, something, you know, when, but like, you know when kind of like mums and parents and all that they have the conversations in like the, the, the playgrounds and yeah. Oh well, my husband didn't do that. No, no, no. I always had someone like it. It was, it was like that. Yeah. But I was the I was the guy that was doing it. So well, can we borrow you? And, you know. Is it, but it's because they were my children, and that's kind of what I wanted to do. Um, to be told that I never did anything. Yeah. You know, and and all all the times we went out were all forced because you know 
because the ones, it, was, it was like made up that my children were pretending they were happy. Right. Bullshit. <laughs> yes, but so for the whole time we went out, yes, every time my children were like, yes, we're fine today. <laughs> you know, it's it's not much, me and my children used to have so much fun, so much fun. And um, you can't hear that. It breaks you. It breaks you so much. And so when I met my wife, um, she, I was in a bad way. I was drinking a lot. Um, I was, I just didn't want to get out of bed. Didn't, didn't care. Um, I used to go to work. Come home. May got to the point where I wouldn't even go to work. I just couldn't bring myself to do it. Yeah. And um, I was like, what's the point? And she got me to fight. She, she was like, you know, you, you've got more. You, you know, that we'd have conversations. I just met her, and we'd be up to like. Seven eight o'clock in the morning from like I don't know sometimes five o'clock at night just yeah. talking and this is before anything happened this is when we were just friends yeah and we talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and you know it was it was from that again that it pulled me out of the sun so I kind of like life's been a bit like this as it kind of gone up the hill and sometimes I've had major dips and yeah. I've had huge highs but I know that that like the, the later stuff if it wasn't for her. I didn't do it the first time. I was very close to doing it the second time. Yeah. But then she was there. And she said she helped me out so much. And then kind of like she's helped me actually pursue very, very different things that used that when I was with my ex, she'd allow me to do stuff just so she could dangle the carrot yeah. and then take it away. Yeah. Because she knew I enjoyed it. With my wife, the funniest thing was I wasn't allowed to go out. Like when went with mine, I wasn't allowed out. Yeah. So, and I had to ask to do everything. And also when you're kind of living a life of a person that's got this very narcissistic tendency, it's all about them. There are some aspects of love upon you because you're used to living with it. Yeah. And it was almost like a, like a, like a, like a two way switch thing. I think I've been, I don't know, been in my, my other half for a few weeks, maybe. And uh, my friend was having a party. And I asked her, I said, can I go out? And yeah. she goes, what the fuck are you asking me for? Fuck off. Don't yeah, you know, yeah. ask me. And then my head went, why is she trying to get me out of the house? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was fucked up. That was a messed up situation because my head didn't know what it wanted to do. It was just like... I was, she said I can go out. That's freaking me out. But then she's trying to kick me out. It's just yeah. like, what is going on? And yeah, I, I, it took me a good year and a half to get around that. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it was such freaking times. But kind of like through those years, like the past six years, nearly seven years, um, kind of molded my brain into a very, very different um, situation from what I was back then. Um, oh, I used to be a bedroom guitarist. Now I'm the most flamboyant guitarist I've ever seen on stage. <laughs> I, I jump all over the place. Yeah. Um, we used to have a joke when I was in uh, Betsy and the Chevrons, which was like, I, I loved being with that band. It was some of the probably the most best times I've had on stage. Um, I kept telling jokes that I was going to get a wireless kit. Yeah. And they said, if you get a wireless kit, we're getting a leash. <laughs> and uh, so I got this wireless kit yeah. and um, I ended up walking from the stage and it was in this kind of like huge pub venue 
walking from the stage right to the back because yeah. I want to sort of how far can this go? So whilst playing and doing all this stuff, walked right to the back of the venue, spoke to a lady while she was eating her dinner. Yeah. She gave me a chip. Yeah. And I thought, yeah, that's the best part. She got fed whilst I was playing, yeah. so it was all good. And then I walked all the way back to the stage, got back up on stage and just carried on. And I was just like, it's like the whole joke after after the song was right, that this leash is going to come out. Yeah. And it was so much fun. And, you know, it's kind of, so I've become, even, I mean, even like from the professional wrestling aspect, I was, even though I was okay in front of the crowd, again, I wasn't me. Yeah. I was playing somebody else. So that really, it didn't count. Yeah. When I was actually being, it was me standing there with that guitar. It's my face you're going to see. Yeah. When I first started playing, I wouldn't, I'd go to pieces if I played in front of everybody. Yeah. Just go to pieces, couldn't play it. But it'd be like, kind of like, oh, you can play this song, play it again. <laughs> like this, <laughs> fingers just uh, like they are now, really. <laughs> um, and, you know, but then to go from that to, you put me on stage now, I will tell jokes under the mic, yeah. I will jump around, I will purposely go and play in the crowd. Yeah. I literally, the last time I ran out into the crowd and I was on my knees playing a solo in the middle of people dancing and I just, I just don't care now. Yeah. And it is that kind of thing where I thought I've, I've been through enough to that point where I've shut myself away. Yeah. Um, that this is me. I'm yeah. I'm former blah blah. That's why COVID's been so hard on me because when I first heard about COVID nineteen, even though the world is as big as what it is, I felt like I was stuck in a small box. Yeah. And being severely claustrophobic and being shut in cupboards from the kids. Pretty obvious why that's there. Um, you know. I just felt like I couldn't go anywhere. It yeah. was horrible. And then going from gigging and being out and being around people to not do that. Yeah. You can't do that. And yeah, it was it, it was horrible. It, it, I mean, I haven't played guitar properly for probably you know, over a year. Yeah. I sit and dabble and kind of like, I do teaching online and stuff like that. But, um, so I actually sit and play properly, yeah. full on play. No, because that's why I'm starting doing these videos and stuff like that. And once obviously I get the issue sorted out with my hand, I've got you know, um, once that's been sorted, I'm just kind of. But yeah, it's just um, that's why I can't wait. Um, just got the opportunity to work with a with a new young lady, which is fantastic. So a new duo kind cool. of coming out, which I just um, spoke to her yesterday on on Google Teams after forty five minutes or half an hour, forty five minutes of trying to get the damn thing to work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like it really went completely wrong. Um, yeah, but I ended up talking to her, we're going to do like a, a duo thing, so there's definitely new stuff to come. Um, to be in uni now, um, studying music production, audio engineering, so you know, you know the call when you want your music mix. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it is that thing, again, like, so all the experience, all the experience I've had with people, all the experience I've had teaching gig with mental health problems, all the experience with running, helping running like uh, mental health charities and all that type of stuff. Dealing with different things, dealing with my own stuff is what brought me to where I am today. I am, I'm not always a strong person. There are times when I just don't want to die with anybody. I will isolate myself, but I, so I've got something with complex PTSD, which is a very, very difficult, it's a very, very difficult mindset to have. And also it's so hard to explain. I think the only way you can easily explain is if you think of kind of like PTSD as a soldier going to war, they've, you know, been involved in something they come back and you know it gets affected their brain like so like maybe like a single 
something like a single trauma event yeah, yeah. with complex PTSD, it's trauma many, 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 many trauma over a huge period of time. Um, so my, my brain is always on the defensive, so therefore I'm, I'm always tired, I'm always kind of having weird nightmares, waking nightmares, which is a really strange thing to want to punch something that's not actually there. But you're not actually awake, and then your wife comes around and asks you why you're throwing yourself out of bed. Um, <laughs> well, she said, oh, I, got, I went to, uh, well, a couple of weeks ago, I went to throw a punch at someone. I knew I was throwing a punch. Yeah. And I landed on the floor. Yeah. And she looked at me and wondered what the hell I was doing. And she knew that I obviously had these waking nightmares. She sleeps with me every night. But, you know, to the point where I'm literally, I see that person in front of me. Yeah. And I'm half awake. Yeah. And I'm throwing these punches. And it's actually, it's, it is the strangest thing when you wake, when you fully wake up and you're like, you kind of, what, what happens? And you're like laying on the floor and it's like, it's strange, really strange stuff. Man, these, these mental health issues, man, they're fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not the best way to go about discovering yourself. No, no, no it's not. No. But, but it is that kind of thing that, you know, it's as, um, as I've learned from my wife, you know, and it was learned from her. And the reason why I would learn from her, she asked me a question one day. She turned around, something happened, and it was very negative. And I think it was to, it was to do with when I actually passed my grade seven, my grade seven guitar exam. Um, she was there for me the whole thing. About a week before I um, did the exam, I broke my hand. Right. And the three tracks that I had to play were Stairway to Heaven, um, uh, uh, what's the name of that? Seek and Destroy by Metallica with that yeah. stupid, weird, stupid, stupid, fast, weird solo thing that sounds like someone's killing me. <laughs> you know, and uh, the other one was The Trooper by Iron Maiden. Yeah. So everything was so taxing. And um, I, as I broke my hand um, the week before, and I was like, man, I've got this exam, how the hell am I going to do with a broken hand? Um, I went and did the exam, and when I got the mark back, Every other exam I did about distinction. When I got the mark, I got the merit. Yeah. And I was so angry. I was so angry. I was four marks away from the distinction yeah. with a broken hand. I was so angry. And she's like, what is wrong with you? And I went, what do you mean what is wrong with me? It's failed. I failed. Ah, ah, ah. And she's like, you've been stupid. I went, why are you calling me stupid? I'm calling me stupid. It's like, you had a broken hand. Yeah. Think about something, find the silver lining. What was the positive? So, amongst all your negatives, what was the positive? There was no positive. I found it. It's like you had a broken hand and you were four marks away from distinction. Yeah. Think about it. And I sat there and I went, hey. You're right. You're right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that was, again, that was a really big highlight moment because um, one thing I haven't mentioned is it was drilled into me by my stepdad that it's not perfect, it's not good enough. Yeah. If you're not perfect, you're not good enough. And then it was that kind of thing that if I didn't do everything but 100% do everything, it'd be a fail. Yeah. And it kind of, so that was hitting me a lot at that point. It was like, I didn't get 100%, I didn't get that, 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 that. And it wasn't perfect, it's not good enough. But when you're a musician, you get up and say, you fuck up all the time. Yeah. All the time. But I didn't believe I was, so if I messed up one note, and when I started doing jam nights, so I did a few jam nights, and then I stopped playing in front of people because I messed up some notes. I yeah. never played in front of people. 
Oh, that destroyed me. Oh, just, I've messed up. I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. So I refuse to play in front of anybody. Now, I mess up for fun. You know, yeah. it's like, boom. Oh, yeah, check that sound out. <laughs> <Okay>. oh. <laughs> but there is that kind of, it is, it is that kind of thing where nothing can be perfect. Yeah. And I've had to really, really work hard. And it's weird that it always hits me in different points. It's like, I've got through it with my guitar playing. Yeah. I know I will never play perfect all the time. But now I'm doing production, music production, I want it to be perfect every time. Yeah. So now I've got help to stop me thinking like that. Yeah. Because I actually, um, I did an assignment first term in. Um, and because I was so uptight that I wouldn't get it right, I actually overproduced it. Right. I managed to create a sound. Yeah. Which if it's what they wanted, it would have been perfect. The way I'd actually produce the track is it sounded like it was purposely made that you were standing outside a building and listening to it from inside a building. Right, okay. That's how the track sounded. Yeah. And my tutor turned around and he goes, normally on your on some, on a on a student's first track, it's normally underproduced. You've overproduced it so much that it sounds like you've made that happen. Yeah. On purpose. Yeah. And he turned around and said, Don't do that to yourself. You don't need to do that. Simplify things, break things down. So it was that kind of thing. I was at a meeting yesterday. I had this lady helping me out with my mindset. All the plans were in place that were going to help me get, get the direction I want. It's so. My hardest thing now is asking for help. Yeah. That is my hardest thing. Um, because when I was a kid, education wasn't that hard. Things came easy. Yeah. Living, maths, living, English, whatever. Now, because of the mental health issues and the CPTSD, which helped me forget everything. And that's the problem with it, kind of like initial kind of things, like you're there reading notes and you just forget them. You might read them one minute, you go write it or type it, they're gone. Yeah. It's frustrating. So now I've kind of forced into that position of having to ask for help. Yeah. And even my specialist kind of runs and you can see it on your face every time you ask for help. She's like, sometimes it's like you like you speak about yourself in the third person and you're asking for help. Almost to try and play that it's not, not you asking, yeah. yeah. And uh, I was like, I didn't even know how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, but it is again that thing that you know I've got to accept the help, but if I don't, then I'm not going to achieve what I want to achieve. No. But again, it is kind of the help, it is everything it is working because the experience has got me to where I am now. And I wouldn't be where I am now if it wasn't for friends and if it wasn't people that believed in me and it wasn't, and if it wasn't for me. Somewhat believing in myself. Yeah. Um, I think there's another part though, probably somewhere that initial realization that you have actual freedom of mind and place and mm. your own body, and then it like slowly you can add it's about the performing on stage thing. You couldn't, and then suddenly you realize you can do it without there being any repercussions. Mm. You know, it doesn't, I've, I've been out longer than I intended because I got yeah. lost in the solo, yeah. you know, and it, but it doesn't matter, there's no comeuppance for Will you stop improvising? <laughs> stop improvising. You've been going for 20 minutes now, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> what is happening? <laughs> I'm so free. Oh yeah, I get taken the piss out of the face. I mean, I, apparently I call the strangest facial expression when um, you know, I play guitar. It's like, you know, my wife, my wife doesn't take the piss, she finds it funny, other people can take the piss. But in the words of Carlos Santana, if you're not pulling faces when you're playing guitar, you're not enjoying it. Yeah. But 
I don't even realise I'm doing it. That's the thing. Yeah, it's just life putting face. She said like the wah pedal. The wah pedal's yeah. the funniest thing because the wah pedal's like every time you press words like a wah wah. She said you look like a fish. Yeah. Like, what did she like? Because your mouth just goes. <laughs> she says it's like I was like, does it? She's like, no. Yes. So it's like you can't. If you hold the note longer, like a while longer, your mouth will stay open longer. It's almost like my my mouth is attached to the pedal. Yeah. There's a wah wah wah. He's copying. <laughs> and I'm just like, really? Yeah, but I don't know I'm doing it. Like, be, but being the feeling of being lost in that complete, it's like it's the hardest thing to explain. It's like being lost in a place where you know where you are. Yeah. And but your mind doesn't care where it goes. Yeah. You're so in that zone. You're so in that place. It is the happiest place to be. If I could turn around and just say, you know. Get all of the people that I knew have mental health issues that were just able to play one solo and get in that zone, yeah. or be able to get in that zone like that. They'd it's, be happy. It's fine in your own individual thing. It really is. Yeah. It's, because you can try and get me to play something and I'd get so frustrated by smashing myself because I haven't got time for it. <laughs> but I haven't got the patience. But if you get someone in a chokehold, yeah, someone I'm about to pack out. <laughs> yeah, but it is though. It's, you know, it's a guy you're holding on to. Like, I'm not in a happy place. <laughs> yeah, you know, everyone, everyone finds their their thing. But know, for me, it's a multitude of things. It's yeah. like I have such a multitude of things. I keep having the urge to go back to wrestling. Yeah, I keep having the urge to go back to, and I shouldn't. I break myself. I seriously break myself. You know, after my motorcycle accident in 2011, the damage I did to my neck. My knee and my ankle, um, snapping my ankle on a on a on like a scooter, uh, like but just trying to be the good stepdad for stepdad to my stepson at the time. All I was going to do was bunny hop the scooter. Yeah, that was it. Even before I lifted, even so, I bent down all my weight on my left foot to yeah. kind of pop it up. It was down as soon as I went to move my ankle, just like, and that was it. The best part about it, we were at, I'm not sure, the skate park in Chatham, not the, not the outside one, the indoor one, it's up by Roscoe Airport. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We were in there. Yeah. The best part and the funniest part about it was, yes, the best, the funniest part about it was I actually bent down and I went, so I went to do the bunny hop. Was I pushed the scooter so hard that even though I fell down, my ankle snapped, the scooter went, <laughs> went up the ramp. I was like, what? So I've done its own little spin. Yeah. I was like, yeah, I was trying to do that. I was like, trying to do that. But you know, it's um, meant to be on it. Yeah, <laughs> I was meant to be on it. Um, but it was, but see, but the stubbornness in me again, I got in the car, I drove home. Yeah. I, it took me to the point, my, my wife always knows when I'm in pain, because it'll be like the point when I say, I think it was like the hospital. Before that point. Yeah, until you admit it. If she turns around and says, look, you need to go to hospital, I'm like, nah, that's <laughs> You know, that's uh, so my my eyes only on my cheekbone, <laughs> and that, that was the thing. But I was I was sitting there and uh, I had my foot up, and I was just kind of trying to walk up the stairs, and my ankle like <laughs> I'm fine. So walking on like a stump of my neck, yeah. I'm, I'm fine. Um, but yeah, it was uh, that was a funny story. It was like what like, stupid things like that. I just pain's never really bothered me too much. It just hasn't that kind of. But it's again, it, it's kind of like. Giving into something like that. It's like, if I, when I was with my ex, if I showed that it hurt me and what she was doing hurting me, then she do it more. Yeah. And it's power to her. So I used to just, no. in, in that term I don't like, man up and just 
ignore it, trying to ignore it, you know, and and it, it's that thing, you know, you just you learn, you, you learn to do that. You just and it automatically becomes part of you. And it's a cycle that you really need to break. Anyone needs to break. You know, men especially need to break. You get that whole kind of man up thing and, and pretending that, you know, or, or showing other people that you're not bothered by it when you really are. It's yeah. not worth it. No, the whole pretending everything's fine, it doesn't do anyone any favours. Um, yeah, accepting that you've got something that you need to talk about and finding the right person to talk to about it is extremely important. You know, like you said, like masking things for so long puts you in such a, like, uh, a mental space where you're like, now I don't feel like I can do this. I don't feel like I can talk to this person. People are going to think I'm lying, you know. It's... But it's there's also that other thing as well where you kind of, you've got yourself into that such a mental space where you're on this guard all the time, you've constantly got this mask on. It's like it's like having like a Jenga block. So your Jenga blocks are all stacked up. Yeah. If you take the Jenga block from the top, it's not really going to do anything to the rest of the building. But with someone like me, and I can speak from my own experience. Someone takes a Jenga block off the top, my, in my brain, my head, the whole thing comes collapsing down. Yeah. It doesn't matter if the Jenga blocks are glued together. If someone removes one of those Jenga blocks, even from even if the Jenga block was six inches away from the rest of the Jenga blocks, yeah. it would fall over. And I go into proper meltdown mode. I don't want to be around people. I, I isolate myself. Um, I won't even talk to my wife you yeah. know, um, until I'm, my brain is ready um, and I'm having counselling because of this, because where I shut myself off, it causes me so many problems. Yeah. Um, but it also causes my wife problems. Now I can imagine how awkward it feels for her. You know, and we've had these conversations where, you know, she said, you know, well, I've been in like the lounge room on my own all day, you've been in the bedroom. And even though she understands, it's still frustrating for her because I haven't been there. Like, if she needs me yeah. to support her, and I haven't been there for her, that... It's tough on her. Yeah. It's really hard on her. And I've shut myself in the bedroom and she, she doesn't really know what I'm doing. I'm not going to watching TV for all she knows. But she knows me, obviously, a lot. You know, I've been together, been together six years. And, uh, you know, it's that type of stuff that I need to start avoiding. I need to, I need to open up more. Yeah. I need to, but it's because, again, asking for help, feeling vulnerable. If I shut myself off, can't be vulnerable to anyone. Yeah. I don't have to be vulnerable to anyone because my vulnerability is behind this screen that I've got here. Um, but also, on the other hand, I get like another thing that if I, if someone tries to put me in a vulnerable place and shows me disrespect, that's when I get angry. Yeah. That's what really pushes my button. That is something that I won't take and I don't care who anybody is. I'll just, I'll just snap because but, and it's even that thing that over the past year or so, because of the pressures we've got going on at home with other things that I'm not allowed to talk about because private law is private law. Um, but you get to that point where you just, you will snap over anything. Someone swearing at you from a car. Yeah. You just lose it. And it's so uncontrollable. It's frustrating. That, I mean, that I had a conversation with my wife. I, I was sitting there and I was feeling so angry and it was overboarding, but it felt like nothing had happened. 
nothing at all happened. Yeah. But I, I just felt like I wanted to rip someone's head off. And I was like, why am I feeling like this? And again, talking to the people that I've been speaking to, talking to um, you know some some of the people that understand, and also the um, my wife's qualification that she's got, and the people that she talks to that knows about these types of things and knows about like CPTSD and what it does. I now understand why I do what I do and yeah. why I go the way I go, and that understanding helps because it's like. Why do I chuck myself in a bedroom or why do I isolate myself when I should be talking to people? Yeah. It explains why. And that's that's the thing. You have that understanding and that's what I try to tell people. Try and you know, understand why you, your actions, why you do what you do. There is something that causes it. Work out what the triggers are and then work with that. Get someone to help you to work with those triggers. Because like, you know, I've had some, you know, someone asked me for a cup of tea, that shouldn't trigger me. No, that shouldn't trigger anybody. Uh, because that was part of my past and, yeah. and and quite a big part of what being asked for a cup of tea would lead to. Yeah. Um, to focus on that and be able to work on that. So my wife helped me with that. So she purposely asked me for a cup of tea in a different way. She like she kind of go um, she she point at the cup. Yeah. Or she'd um, she'd uh, like I'll just put a kettle on something like that, she, she would never go kind of like, can you go make me a cup of tea? You know, she, and, but now she can. I'm not bothered. I'm yeah. really not bothered. Um, unless I'm in a really down low mood. But again, I'm able to work with that. I'm able to kind of just go, you know what? This is my wife asking me for a cup of tea. There are other things that can't. Yeah. You know, that if someone says certain things. Um, another like thing um, was I, in jokes, if someone was joking, you know, and obviously this is an offence to gay people, I've got loads of friends that are gay and, you know, you know, whatever. But me being called gay used to infuriate. Yeah. Absolutely infuriate. And it got to the point where I, I had to account to because of that. Yes. Of what I've been through. I was like, I'm not gay. You know that. And so even like people do like gay jokes and stuff like this, which was, as you well know, back in school, that's what they used to do. It was the thing all yeah. the time. Everything was gay. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it was. Oh, well, you know, I went to the shop last night, I picked up the wrong chocolate bar. That was gay. Yeah. You know, that's kind of, that's how, how it was. Oh, you drink bubblegum, cola pop. Okay. Yeah, exactly. But that's, that's what I mean. And it kind of like, it was, it was such a trigger. And now I just kind of, when my friends joke around, even even my even like my gay friends that come up and hug me and stuff like that, and they're like, "Oh, you're sick!" Like, I just go along with it because I find it really funny. Yeah. And um, back then, I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. Um, having a counselor that was a man couldn't do it. I couldn't talk to a man about my problems. Yeah. It was a man who caused me problems. It was males that caused me problems back in when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, so I couldn't talk about the problems to a man. It took me a long time to actually open up to a male counselor. Um, all because of what I've been put through by men um, and boys. And but then, on the other hand, the same thing happened when it comes to being abused by a woman. Yeah. I was like, oh, I've got a woman judge. Like, you know, in court, there's a woman judge. She's going to back the woman. She's a woman. Yeah. Um, I've got a female counsellor. Is she going to actually understand what it's like a male being abused and how it feels for a male? Yeah. And, you know, 
even though kind of try not to focus on it, but there is a certain part in males that don't want to give into that vulnerability and kind of like go, I was abused by a male because back it used to be taking a piss off, it was, it was, it was you taking a piss off, what you let a female do that, you know, it's that's gay, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, and you kind of like, yeah, and so to oh, it's so much help to have to get around that, yeah. certain things, and it is that, and it is that stuff, it is really about. People have got to learn to put themselves first and work on themselves. And if you notice any kind of early signs, work them out, try and sort them out. Even if it's with partners, with every, anything, um, I've realised that this whole kind of um, uh, like parental alienation, this narcissism, this abuse and everything else, it actually happens from, from kind of like when, when your child is born, that, that kind of separation and what these narcissists try and do. Yeah. It happens from basically the birth of your child. They kind of automatically do this thing where they will make you out to be the bad guy. Or you're you know, you kind of deal with the punishments, they make it look like they're kind of like all the birth, you know, they do all that nice stuff and the colours, the dads are one deals with the punishments and all that. Well that's not the way it should be, you know, you you're both parents, you both kind of and you know you both do like the whole kind of reward and punishment. I don't know the word punishment, but I cannot for life missing that right now. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's punishment. <laughs> it's punishment. Yeah. Um, but it is that kind of thing, you know, the whole punishment reward thing. You both gotta do that because then the kids got to know. The kids have got to know where they stand. You yeah, know? Um, yeah, they got to know the routine as well. Like yeah. we we try to hand that home quite a lot. That you know, if mummy said no, it's not. Yeah, but then the kids are trying to work you around, and they like my, my daughter will come and say, like, Oh, Dad, is it alright if I just do this? And you're like, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then find out they're doing it, and mum goes, I told you no. And you're like, well, But then, if you ask your dad, he'll say the same thing. I didn't know this part you, of the conversation. You didn't fill me in on yeah, this. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know. <laughs> and then it's like, Oh, did. You should have known already. It was like, yeah. <laughs> uh, spot. Well, we're going to have to have a break in a couple of times. I'm going to on. Pause. Pause. Pause the... I don't know where we even got to. I, don't, I think we got to a week kind of. I think we work on the positive stuff. So we've come like, and yeah. break. And break. And resume. <laughs> Reason, resume. You need to get yourself a snap. Resumes. Yeah, you do. It's not film. Yeah. No, but you still get a snapper. You get yourself a snapper. Post pee break. <laughs> so we are now back from the so back from the bathroom break and um, so then for for two thousand one then what yeah. are your plans and what have you got in place to twenty one not two thousand one this is two thousand one so whilst we were at school to finish out Cut. the year to, <laughs> to finish out the year of school. Uh, last year of school, 2001. Uh, uh, <laughs> where's Marty McFly? Uh, yeah, in 2021, we've like, got currently in place with the plans for the rest uh, of this my, year. My plans for the rest of this year. Projects. Uh, projects wise, is definitely to. Um, definitely, we're going to write your jingle. Going to write your jingle. Yeah. Podcast jingle is brought to you by Dumb Music. Yeah. 
Um, so I'm, but I'm working on this. I've got this uh, new young lady that um, that I met yesterday called Crystal, who um, man, amazing voice. And the great thing is, she's very much like a. Um, she can do like she's classically trained, but there are some classically trained people that that find it very hard even to sing. Like how can you like kind of pop music, but she can yeah. do both. But she's a very Amy Lee esque kind of. Um, I mean, she loves Evanescence as well, so it's stuff like that. So being able to do kind of stuff like that with, um, it brings a lot of aspects to kind of what I can do as well. Because when I start producing music, I can have two sides of, um, we're looking at kind of doing things where I'll sing a certain way. I mean, if anyone's, um, one of the bands I'm listening to at the moment is uh, Bring Me The Horizon. Yeah. Um, Bring Me The Horizon, I can't remember the name of the track, do a track that features Amy that kind of dynamic of how she sings and how the dude can bring me the horizon, horizon scenes, that's kind of something that we're going to have a go, a bit of a collaboration on that. We're looking at doing like an acoustic duo for a while and then moving on to, so it's that kind of thing that there's going to be probably lots of people you know, getting into bands as we go back after yeah, lockdown and stuff. So, I mean, I know I know loads of musicians that are probably willing to work with us and kind of go on to any big band and stuff, stuff like that. So it really is, I just want to get back out. I want to, I want to work on the whole production side of things get that kicked off, get like the whole business up and running properly. Um, and then, like, you know, get out on the road. I just want to get out on the road and start gigging. That yeah. is the kind of, that, that is a, it is a really big thing. Um, so lockdown's been all right, kicking the ass for all music, musicians. Um, like, especially like us, that kind of go out on like gigging and stuff like that. It's been an absolute horrible situation. Um, but we have to do what we've got to do. Yeah. Um, on a positive note, which is really weird, I got a uh, an email from um, this place called Sessions Live. Yeah. Um, I've got a YouTube channel coming out that I have not published yet. <coughs> it's got loads of uh, stuff that's going to start off kind of like it's going to almost like promote my journey from what I, what I'd started off as to where I am now. Yeah. And um, so like the initial videos on there can like blast from the past and kind of like me. Um, practicing obviously I'm not gonna do the whole seven hours a day but what was I mean, <laughs> when I used to drive a coach I used yeah. to I used to drive to London. I'd sit in London for seven hours practicing, practicing yeah. on coach. Um, people ask me what are you sitting on? It looks like you're on an airplane. Um I'm like well you can see a wall if I'm on an airplane and that's a bit of a problem. There's <laughs> 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 something I'm aware of also not in control. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah <laughs> it's a new sunshine. <laughs> Hit the highways now. <laughs> I know it's weird how there's a highway to hell, but I'm just their way to heaven. It's a bit strange, though, isn't it? But yeah, so the um, yeah. going from kind of like how I, how we used to practice to um, gonna do like start doing some like uh, videos on what type of production I'm doing and stuff like I'm kind of like a bit of a story, a, a university story thing, and showing people what I've learned. In order, it might help them too. And also the whole kind of um, big thing that's going to be happening this year is um, I'm part of the Kent Scareground, so we're going to, that's all going to be up and coming, hopefully. So um, keep your ears out on that. It's a massive thing and we're looking at doing a lot more scare festivals because it's that, it's that kind of thing, isn't it? You kind of, Halloween year is like that kind of main part of the year when you have scare events, but yeah. why not have them 
People can be scared all year. Exactly. Yeah, and I can be. I can take. I can quite do this for them. I can. Yeah. I can offer them the opportunity to be scared. Yeah. We my name is Marty. I can scare you. <laughs> <laughs> That's my new motto. Um, but it is that again. It's that, you know, being being part of that. That that I mean that was an amazing experience. I didn't know I was going to get it, um, but that was an amazing experience becoming part of that and the whole kind of audition for that because it was an audition that I'd never even dreamt of. Kind of, I didn't know an audition like that even existed. Yeah, and it was it was fun but full on. So you know, to like you've got to kind of like right, you've got to act how we tell you to act, and when we pause you've got to do it with something different and it's like, it's like that is pretty cool i like that it was it was, it was a lot of fun it's um, <laughs> sort of a spur spurring moment kind of thing in it where you got to just like just adapt yeah but i think i can't get that in, in wrestling sometimes you kind of when you're doing promos and talking on the microphone you get certain reactions that you kind of keep going the way you're going it's going to mess up the show yeah and you have to kind of think on the fly yeah um and even like sometimes the way you act um it's, it's that kind of thing that we've uh, I've seen, I've been not in wrestling matches, I've watched wrestling matches and pointless wrestling matches where you've got the good guy, everyone hates, even though he's the face, he's the better face, he's the good guy, everyone's booing him and you're just kind of like, so the heel, the bad guy, has to work harder yeah. to look bad. Yeah. And sometimes, yeah, you can, you, can, you can only go a certain distance, you know, before you're literally picking the guy up and throwing him out the window. You know, you're like, how bad? <laughs> before, and they're still booing the good guy. How close are these windows to the ring? Huh? How close are these windows to the ring? <laughs> That's a very personal. That's a personal question there. Well, you said you want to throw a big, you know, get close to throwing him out the window. I mean, like... I suppose it just depends. Depends. Could be... Could I... Give you a bit of advice. What's that? Don't set the ring up right close to two. That's that's a good idea. Or if I'm going to do it, make sure it's on the bottom floor. Yeah. <laughs> make it a bit yeah. less hardcore. But I mean, that was kind of yeah. It was um. But it is that kind of thing. You you kind of have to adapt to the crowd. And yeah. even though when when you're out eating, like whatever you're doing, you have to adapt to the crowd. Sometimes you could be singing a song in a set that's just really not clicking with yeah. the crowd, and you're like. If we do another one that's along the similar vein, it's not yeah. going to work. Yeah. So let's take this song out, put this song in. Um, it happens well. And because of that, um, my acting comes, I, I mean, I used to love drama in school, but as like you, didn't get time to kind of take it up and didn't take it seriously. So the whole wrestling thing, the whole drama thing was a lot of the acting that I've done. So when it came to like the audition, it was different acting per, per se, per se, but say it but it was still acting yeah and so when they're kind of like act like a velociraptor it was it was great fun and the people that i was working with there i never i never thought i'd have so much fun with people that i just didn't know you know yeah. when you kind of walk in the, i know some actors and stuff like that like some actors can be a bit stuff and you know, all due to them, you know, they probably worked hard and you know, whatever. People have egos and that's up to them. But it's that kind of thing that the actors I was working with, they were so down to earth, yeah. so down to earth and kind of immediately clicked um, to the point where like one of the things we had to do, I had to mess around, we did like a whole, um, you ever seen the film Dracula Dead and Loving It? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, long time ago. But yeah. we did like, um, there's a Nielsen one, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, but we did a whole sketch. Well, because I've kind of done the wrestling thing in the past, um, we did a bit of a sketch from that film, but we tweaked it to the point where um, 
Like I, I get kind of thrown out of a window. Yeah. More but, windows. What is it? I know. <laughs> Love the windows. But it's like so but it was a pretend building, it wasn't yeah. a real building. Um but it was that kind of thing that I didn't think the guy who was throwing me didn't expect me to do what I did. Because as he kind of threw me, I kind of jumped, I must have jumped about three, four foot in the air, yeah. done a front flip and just kind of landed on the floor. Oh, like this. He kind of looked at me and he was trying to be like this guy who hated vampires and yeah. was trying to run off. But I swear when he looked at me, he thought it hurt me. <laughs> but it was, it was so much fun again and I, I enjoyed it so much. And being able to kind of put that aspect into them and... Uh, yeah, it really was great. Just come out of your shell. Yeah, and then there's I've got another op- and I've got another opportunity contacting you. Like it, this thing that come up definitely because it's come up more because of COVID. There's a thing called um, sessions live, which you basically do a gig in your lounge room yeah. or your studio or whatever, and it's filmed out to whoever buys the tickets or whoever's watching it at the time. Yeah. Even though I've got this channel that I haven't published yet. They managed to track down a video of me doing a solo to a song, and they, they were like, We like this. I'm like, How did you get to I didn't publish this channel yeah. yet. What's going on? Um, could you get in contact with us? We want you to do an audition for this, that, and the other. So I'm looking at um, speaking to Crystal about it and see if she wants to do some gigs on Section 5 and start putting some stuff out online. So, so yeah, there's, a, there's lots going on. I'm looking at doing a solo EP, but it's going to be a mix of loads of different things. I've learned so much. I mean, I'm, I'm, come, I'm a person that's coming from like the rock world, you know, it's album stage, guitars and everything else. Yeah. I'm not as familiar, familiar with the electronic world, but realizing now what I can do with it yeah. and understanding of how I can work almost like a genre into a genre without, you know, but it's almost like being able to take a rock track that you can dance to without just popping your hip. Um, you know, it's being able to do all this stuff now it's kind of opened so many, so many doors that I could go in musically. I'm just thinking oh, I might just like do one song and just write it in so many different ways so it fits in every yeah. genre. So at least one way I'll get to the top of the <laughs> Just release it at Christmas. Well, well, if um, what's their face is uh, well, who's it killing you in the name of? They got, they got to number one, right? <laughs> yeah. I know that was the whole kind of talking about them. Um, but, you know, it's kind of like you know, but they got to number one, so if they get on number one, the charts, I'm sure I could sort, of, you know, have to take on Michael Bublé. You know, it's, he pops out there. Should do our same shit every year. Piss <laughs> off, really. Get a new gig, mate. Get a new gig. Please. Oh come on, he, he comes out during Christmas. It's horrible. Maybe this comes out for you because you know that noise. It might, it might be. I just like for me, I, it's, it's fantastic thing. I've been there for. There's only so many Christmas albums you can release. <laughs> I mean, Christmas <laughs> songs have stopped. Just, just admit it. Just admit it. There's only so many Christmas albums that Chris can buy. No, I don't buy any. <laughs> <laughs> Christmas makes me really bloody miserable. Like, to be honest, it's. Uh, but yeah, like, I just like, Christmas songs have stopped mm. like, decades ago. But like, we haven't had like Christmas songs. But if you buy, I think the, now last, the, the last best one was mm. definitely from the Dark one. Yeah. Christmas That one. Excuse me, I just need to warm up my voice before I start getting into things. Like that. Sorry, sorry, Justin Hawkins. <laughs> my trousers are not so tight. Can't, can't pull off those toes. <laughs> Funny that. Well, yeah. 
I mean, one of the worst things ever was that she, she bought me a, like a bright pink and green shell suit, but let's not talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'm not talking about stuff like that. That was obviously a, a quite a sad period back then. But my mum would always, always dress me in like these fucking weird looking joggings and that type of stuff. I, you wouldn't, unless I'm training, yeah. I will still I will still stay away from those types of outfits yeah. because it's too much of a reminder of kind of almost like when I was vulnerable yeah. and when I was in that frame of mind. So now I kind of stay away from them and I, I dress. This is kind of like the new me. This is like the me that come and take me on now. I'm not like that person. Yeah, that no, I, I don't think I ever really associated anything I wore with what I had problems with. I stopped wearing school uniforms. Um, <laughs> Did you? Yeah. I don't know them very often. What about your wife? Did your wife know about your song wings? <laughs> Does she know it? <laughs> Does she know you don't want to wear the school uniform? Yeah. Please <laughs> <laughs> take it off. <laughs> yeah, I stopped wearing school uniforms. But no, I don't think I've ever connected with clothing. To... The only thing I did like, like once upon a time, I was growing so fast mm. and we had fucking more money. My shoes were too small and my stepmom didn't believe me. That my feet had grown because I just had new trainers. And their feet hurt. And obviously, as a kid, a mother had bricked. But in any case, the only shoes we could afford were hers. Mm-hmm. So I had a pair of her trainers at school. And everyone knew, obviously, that they were mm-hmm. women's trainers and I uh, got a piss taken out of me. But yeah, my feet did grow so much, all my toes are all overlapping and See, I mean, that's what I, that was, um, I, I find that also that was the kind of thing that, like, with my mum, but it was more kind of along the lines of not being an adult to afford stuff. Um, and the hand-me-down type, that, that, that I just kind of, that's a thing that I just will not put my kids through now. I yeah. just thought, obviously my, my son looking, you know, a dapper in, in, a, in a brown new skirt would probably not be. <laughs> yeah, well, no. My, my seven-year-old wearing my clothes just don't fit. <laughs> he doesn't have any of my hands. Oh, you know, but if you know, if he, if he decides that he wants to wants to change his gender or whatever when he gets older, and, and then yeah, but obviously at the moment he pretty much wants to be a boy, and uh, you know he wouldn't appreciate the fact that I'm just like um, your sister's grown out of this. Would you yeah. like to wear that? You know, it's, just, it's all we've got. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's um, yeah, this strange things. It's just really strange things that are kind of. Like the whole change of my first name. Yeah. I get if someone calls me by my old first name, I just don't even acknowledge it. Don't even this that person's no longer not there anymore. Um I took I changed my first name, took out my middle name, and that's it. Um I just and it's also kind of like it was a reminder and also kind of like what the way it was said as well. It was just like yeah. right I couldn't cope with it. But that, saying that, that was actually the first step to changing my mindset. Yeah. Because when I finally got that, um, got the deeding that said, your name's no longer this, it's this. Even though I was the same person, it was like bringing the more confident me out. It was bringing the person that I wanted to be. So the, the difference in that, it was huge. It was weird. It was such a strange thing. It was almost like being someone new. Yeah, but I guess as well, it's always, it's, there's no possibility of you hearing your name said in that way again. No. Do you know? Like, yeah. It's, exactly. it's done. It's finished. Oh. It's, and, and, and it is that kind of thing. But that's, that's what I mean about 
again, it's finding those things that kind of make you, make you happy and that are actually going to bring, bring you into a better mindset and doing small things that, that kind of create, it's like some people say, well, when I'm teaching guitar, you know, you're never going to kind of go from what you start off with to, to how you end up, you know, um, within a matter of five minutes. No. You're going to, there's going to be pitfalls, there's going to be walls that you hit, there's going to there's going to be times when you're going to want to throw that guitar out the window and you're going to stop playing for a week or a couple of weeks. There's always going to be times like that. Yeah. That's why playing guitar and music is so kind of almost like you can compare it to life so much. And, you know, so facing them as you go, rather than trying to face something that's kind of way over here and you're way over here, you kind of break it down into steps. And that's what I found works. Um, and it doesn't matter how little the steps are. You could go from, I don't know, go from, I don't know, anything. I can't even think of, a, think of an explanation right now. I don't know why nothing's just gone, whoa, whoa, no words. Um, but, you know, you could go, if you're, again, you could go from, not being able to play a scale to be able to play three notes of the scale, for example. Yeah. That's a huge step. It's a huge step. People think, well, that's small step. No, it's not. It's a huge step. Pray yourself up for it. The more you do that, the more you kind of, and then by the end of it, you put all these steps together and you've got your big step. Yeah. And that's kind of, that's the way I've had to approach life. Um, I've had to kind of break down everything and slowly build it back together, but take away the bits, cast off the bits that I don't start editing a film, I suppose. You take away the bits that are not going to work. Yeah. Um, and you put together the bits that are working. And, and eventually, I'm always going to have, all this stuff that's happened to me, you're always going to be in the back of my head. Yeah. It's always going to be in the back of my head. But I don't want it to rule my life. I don't want it to be it that thing that defines me. It doesn't need to anymore, no. you know, and I understand you know, it was such a big thing for such a long time. But um, but that exactly, exactly as you said, you know, with the connecting it with guitar, um, you know, take each step and recognise each step as being, you know, each singular step leads to a bigger one, you know, and you will fall. There will be mistakes and there will be errors because we're all human and we make mistakes, you know. And that is technically how we learn, really. I find, I find that definitely I've learned more from my mistakes than what I have my, yeah. um, like, my triumphs or, yeah. like, my kind of... Everything that comes easy yeah. is, doesn't teach you anything, does it? Yeah. You know, um, it's the same, same as said for, like, jiu-jitsu competition. My last one was a disaster. I kind of already had in my mind that it was going to be. <laughs> and it was, you know. <laughs> I already pre-planned. It was going to yeah. be rubbish. I had a great day. Uh, had four like really good like matches. None of them were like walkovers. But I, you know, I, I didn't get any wins. But I didn't also didn't expect to either. No. But it showed me the level I needed to be at. So it was like, oh, okay, you need to work on this. You need to work on that. So you know, all the, those failures were were lessons. And, you know, so you could put that into anything you do in life is to recognize your steps, recognize the the lessons that have learned, and take it as a lesson. My father was always being able to. Um, <clears throat> there are a lot of lessons in life that you can learn from, but you can't obviously change what's happened. No. So then, I think as people, it's our responsibility to use those lessons that we've learned to teach the new generation. Yeah. To kind of go, look, this is what we tried. This is what I went through. 
because of X, Y, Z. Yeah. The future generation, if they look at it in a different way and actually implement something to stop this from happening, then it's like um, children, abused children. There are so many abused children that are, that, you know, people don't even know what's going on. You know, there's so many abused children that um, services may not shy away from or, or whatever. And, or, or it's, but it's because of lack of understanding. Yeah. Complete lack of understanding. Now, my, my, my wife knows that she, she's, she's very educated in this stuff. Um, I, I'm partially educated in this stuff because, um, because I have to be, because I've lived it. Um, but learning kind of about well, how parental alienation works, how, you know, why this, why the system is the way it is and blah, 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 and what we need to put into place to stop these children from being abused. Yeah. You know, when, when a blind eye is turned because um, whoever, whichever professional is involved doesn't understand the situation, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, you know, we've got a child that's um, saying that he's, he's being abused, but then it's put on the fact that, oh, it's because he's, you know, he's trying to play the parents off against each other because they don't live together. Yeah. Why should that not be investigated? Yeah. This is a child that is telling you, I'm not happy. Yeah. Um, and this is the kind of thing that, you know, um, part of a, a, a very good group, um, that are fighting for this type of stuff to happen. Um, and uh, I'm not sure if I can mention them at the moment, but definitely if we ever, ever have another, another chat and stuff like that and I find out, then I can uh, probably start talking about them a little bit more. But, you know, it's it's being able to put this forward and helping our families that are within this system and caught within this whole world of like children being abused by parents and then people not understanding what parental alienation is and stuff like that and not being educated in it and, and everything else. It, it's that kind of thing that the future generation needs to understand that we need to start learning about it. Yeah. We need to understand why this happens, why why a child says certain things, why X, Y, Z happens. Because if, if we don't, then they're going to, they're just going to, they're going to fail their, you know, their children and everything else the same way as, a lot of the people in our generation, I don't mean the parents, I mean kind of like the professionals involved, fail the children now. Yeah. Because because they're not trained. They're not trained enough in in understanding concepts of you know that everything's so bad daisy when it comes to their training. They need to be trained more and understanding the psychology, the proper psychology of, of, of children and how alienated children work and how alienators work and all that type of stuff. They've, so it's just it's just not I mean in America, you look at America, they they've actually made quite a big thing over there. Yeah. And you can't and you know, that alienating parents, you know, if they get caught, they do time, yeah. you know, you, you you're ruining a child's life by not allowing them to have a relationship with the other parent. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if it's male or female. It doesn't matter who's the alienator and who's the alienated. Um, you know, my my my, my wife is alienated. Um, um, I'm alienated, and obviously, um, it, it's her husband and um, and my ex is female. So it's kind of like it's, a, it's not a gender thing. Yeah. It's it's a it's a system and uh, and a community thing. It's got nothing to do with anything else. Um, so it is that kind of thing of where we you know we need to start working on um, how we actually help out future 
generation. And this is a big thing for me as well. I mean, to do with music, to do with everything that I do, I want to create something to be able to help these people. I want to be able to make sure that children can be safe. Yeah. I want to be able to kind of, you know, put into the community and, and help, help these, help these um, children and stuff out. And well, everybody, parents, um, and that's what we're working towards. And this is what we want to happen for the future. We want to make sure that, um, you know, there's no more mistakes and children that are forgotten that are in the system. Yeah. I mean, children that have been, you know, foster care breaks and out the years and stuff like that because just because they're forgotten about, they're just put in a loop, put in a system, you know, they get to the end of their time with with um, being foster care and they're dumped out in the adult world. They don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah. So, you know, this is kind of stuff that, and this, this is the stuff that's, uh, that I'm going to end up supporting once I start building my business up because my business isn't going to be a one-tier thing. Yes, it's music, and I love music. Um, the whole performing, teaching, production, all that type of stuff, I love doing that. But I want to be able to help people out, out in the community as well. I want to make sure, I want to be able to make sure that um, I, I have promised myself that I am going to, at some point, publish my full story. Um, my my journey is still continuing, and there's a point where I'm going to get to, and I'm going to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, at the moment, that I, I I feel I've got big things to come, and so if I try and publish anything now, it's going to kind of you know, be a bit too soon, too soon. Yeah. So, um, so I'm looking looking to the future, and um, definitely looking at opportunities that I'm looking at get that I really want to get into. Um, I'd love to um, I'd love to getting to score music for movies and TV shows and stuff like that. I've always, always adored. Yeah. I mean, you can't wait like, but I, I will literally sit and watch like Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit just to listen to the soundtrack. Um, Star Wars and all that, I love Star Wars, but just to listen to the soundtrack, yeah. you know, it's it's that whole kind of thing to be involved in. I think I was, maybe I was born to be an actor. I was still born to be an actor. I always wanted to be a stuntman when I was younger. Yeah, yeah, stuntman party. But that is the that is the thing. I like, always wanted to be a stuntman. Um, and I think that's what took me to wrestling as well. That whole kind of yeah, throw me through a table. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. It's not me this time. It's my, it's my phone this time. But again, it's that kind of thing that you know. Going like going back to the serious note, it is about us thinking about thinking about the future for ourselves and and for and for our children. Um, because you know they're the ones that are carrying our legacy. We don't want them making the same mistakes as what as what we made in our generation. Yeah. So um, we've, we've got to teach them that things have got to be different. And I think that with people like myself and yourself and some um, other people that are sharing their stories. Um, I think they need to be shared now. This is a time when um, people, more people need to start coming out and not just kind of like, you know, um, like you get these odd superstars that kind of come out and everyone pays attention. Oh, yeah. oh, this is like, you know, such and such from this film and he's just said X, Y, Z. It's not just about that. Listen to the little guy, you know, listen to some of the stories that are coming out from people that you don't know. Um, and understand it from both sides or every angle rather than just kind of going, ah, well, you know, blah, blah. it's just not. And as soon as we start doing that, and as soon as we start talking about everything, then it takes away the power from any abuser. It takes away the power from anybody. I mean, like me, when I was, when I was a kid, I didn't feel like I had anyone to talk to. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I spoke to my mum and, you know, because of what my abuser said, 
my mum put the fear of God up. She didn't know she put the fear of God up me. Um, but it did, you know. And um, we've got to make sure that that doesn't happen anymore. It happens all too much. It happens all too much. And so being able to talk and anyone, you know, it takes away the power from the abuser because the abuser can't turn around and go, well, if you tell X, Y, Z, then this is going to happen. I'm going to do this. It's like, no, well, no, it's not. Because as soon as I tell this person, then this is going to happen. And, yeah. and excuse my language, but you're fucked. <laughs> 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 Four-year-old, like, yeah, <laughs> but, but, but it, you know, it, it is that kind of thing that even even from the age of four, if, and even if I would have got a slap on the ass for it, if I could have turned around and said, you know what, if I tell such and such, you're fucked, yeah. I would have been, you know, that would have been the be-all and end-all. Yeah. But then again, I've also got to kind of look at it in so many ways. If I wouldn't have been through all the shit that I've been through, would I be where I am today? Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the really difficult things, and like I said, yeah, a lot of pain, a lot of misery creates, you know, creativity, creates, you know, humour, yeah, and that you see things from a darkest perspective because you've been through something, you know, it's not it's not the ideal way to go through life. I'm not saying you don't get creative by not suffering. You know, <laughs> things, you know. I want to be a creator. You must yeah. suffer! Yeah. <laughs> What's that? You want to be an actor? <laughs> Shut you in the cupboard. But yeah, no, it's... Uh, Have yeah. you ever been in the cupboard before? No, sir. Well, you have now. You ever watch Harry Potter? Yeah. You're going to be a wizard now. It's so true in the cupboard. I've been no wizarding for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Uncle Vernon. <laughs> I like my cupboard. <laughs> you just say that that's all your wife shut, isn't it? She shut you in the cupboard. No, it's so much junk in it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let her pull you down there. Right? <laughs> so I'm over the top of all my junk to get in the cupboard. Uh, oh, surfboard up your ass. Surfboard? Snowboard. Snowboard, that's in the rock. Well, maybe she throws you up there. Yeah. Snowboards I've had for so many years. I've never been used. I don't know why it's so great. <laughs> I had one. I, I bought one and I never used it. It just sat in the corner. I didn't even take it to the dry slope. I used to go to the dry slope and use theirs. I remember my favourite favourite time I, I, I always and I will get there I've never been snowboarding before yeah. I've never been the closest place I've been to snow to snowboard is Milton Keynes snow dome yeah. and it was the best I had my life I loved it yeah well we'll have to, we'll have to do that we'll have to have a lad's little long in Austria or something yeah I mean there was like my, my friend talked to Austria all the time and I can't remember what the place that he goes to yeah. is called some the, 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 yeah the <laughs> place the bad guy for before something. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but it is that kind of, to be able to just, I'd love to get out on, on the mountain. I'd yeah. love, love to get out on the mountain. Yeah. Obviously. And then I'll, I'll take my skates and, and skate on a, on a pond or something. Great. Yeah. I think that's our lad, I think that's our lad's thing sorted. Yeah. I think that would be. That's all they sorted. That's all they Mountains. Yeah, mountains. But there's a Mountains? No, mountains. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're the last year camp in winter. Well, I was like, well, we'll be wearing clothes at this point in time. It sounds rather kinky. <laughs> uh, I don't know where you're going. Snowy mountain jujitsu. Snow. <laughs> yeah, it's snowy mountain full of clothes. <laughs> oh, that's all right. Yeah. I'm happy with that. Yeah. <laughs> it seems to be, but you know, I don't want um, I don't want anything hanging off my nipples. You know, <laughs> 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 you know like bicycles hanging off. Wouldn't be a good thing. No, no, no. 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 
No. I'll shank you with my nipples. <laughs> <laughs> Frosted nipples. <laughs> what in the eye? Ah, I swear. <laughs> tap, tap. <laughs> no time to tap. That's a fucking actual weapon. <laughs>
That was weird. <laughs> that, 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 that might well be a knock on the door. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sorry about that. Yeah, no so, yeah, double. Somebody has the door. It's on. <laughs> but yeah, so yes, um, definitely. So we kind of, um, as I said, it's it's about teaching people the right way. I've got a lot of experience teaching um, in many, many different platforms. So yeah, just uh, give us a shout. Find me on Facebook. And um, there'll be lots of stuff coming up. And I'm sure Chris will let you know because that's Chris and I'll love him. Indeed. So. Indeed. And uh, yeah, li- listen out for his intro track. It will be coming soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. As soon as we arrive in intro, <laughs> outro, link music, but... Do we just kind of like try and see if I can make it like a couple of hours long so we can just have it like die down in the background but some just have it there and you'd just be like every now and then like what is in the background? That's just that's what it's going to be. You know like those kind of like mind Yeah, it's going to be like secretly giving out messages. Subconscious message. In the background of every single podcast. Anyway. Adios, thank you very much, and I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Bye. Bye!